Tune in to the Neil Prenderville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. The Paul Perry nuked on have an interesting story in the mirror this morning with the talk of five consecutive heat wave days last year and apparently we had record baking temperatures last year. Uh, it gives the impression that we had a cracking year. I don't recall it. I mean, there was a period, I think it was the back of July or something when we really got some great weather, but we endured several heat waves apparently. <laughs> with certainly the warmest autumn on record and they're making out that it wasn't too shabby a summer after all. So I'll take that. I mean, you believe everything you read in the newspapers, don't you? Uh, but of course, Golfgate dominates many of the front pages today. They, they're saying in the defence of those involved and before the courts, their councils are saying things like the media whipped up hysteria, social media whipped up hysteria and a lot of very good people had to resign over the Oroctus uh, dinner um, and the papers this morning go into it in quite some detail. They talk of uh, Donny Cassidy's barrister saying that Donny Cassidy, Cassidy is a lawmaker, not a lawbreaker. The only, I mean, it, I suppose courts need to take their course, as the fellow says. It's going to cost the taxpayer an awful an awful lot of money to hear it, but I guess it has to be heard. Uh, and of course, another court case is uh, Monday, where Novak Djokovic will be appealing um, his uh, refusal of entry into Australia. Now, his dad's rode in on it. The president of Serbia has rode in on it. Uh, they're saying that he's being held like a criminal, that he's being treated like a villain, that he has to face days of detention um, for asylum seekers while fighting to remain in the country uh, to play in the Australian Open. He certainly misread the room, did Novak, when it comes to Australian people's reaction to him arriving with a visa but without the proper medical exemption. So he can't be treated like anybody else. And if one country actually will stick to the rules on treating everybody the same, don't you think it would be Australia? I mean, if I was a betting man and a gambling man, I'd say he hasn't a prayer of staying. But you never know what could happen over the weekend. Um, or what, what if any kind of medical condition Djokovic actually has? So that dominates a lot of the papers today. But so does COVID and so does Omicron. Um, and so does a bit of a U-turn on yesterday morning's story regarding uh, Michal Martin. More on that in a second. But story that we dealt with in quite some detail yesterday was um, low attendances in primary and secondary schools on Leaside and the examiner picks up on that today where the talk of principals revealing low, record low student attendance and severe staff shortages, not just to Guard Cork but across the country. So that's quite interesting in that regard. But And the HSE are saying we've got 8,500 frontline healthcare staff out of work due to either having the virus or being in close contact. They have the same issue in the UK but you know what they've done with regards to helping the health service in the UK? They've brought in the army, particularly the medical sections of the British Army. Why aren't we talking about that if needed? So there's no plan that I know of in regard to that. We heard yesterday that you're going to need a booster, that you're going to need two jabs and the booster on your cert or on your QR code or on your app or whatever you use, maybe you photocopy it, that you were going to need the two jabs and a booster to get into a pub and a restaurant. Apparently now you're not. See how this changes all the time? The last word I used on the air yesterday morning was the word confused. So the government now apparently has no plans for booster jabs to be required for indoor dining. Um, and they're, of course, updating uh, people's certs as we speak. I don't know whether you guys got anything updated, got an email, I got a change in your app. I certainly didn't. But it means that you will need a booster vaccine uh, added on to your COVID cert for the two jabs that you already have to travel within the EU. 
Uh, you'll need that. But you won't need it, apparently, to go into a pub or a restaurant or indoor hospitality. But meanwhile, the Echo reporting that businesses in Cork are operating on survival mode. Some are trading way below levels that they normally would have been. But that doesn't come as any surprise. But what they drill into a bit is the Cork Business Association talking about um, the amount of employees who were out sick and that's proving very, very difficult. And again, as we head into the weekend, far be it for me to go into preachy mode, but it's really important that you remember, if you're out in retail or you're in hospitality, bear in mind that the businesses that you're in or engaging with or eating in or drinking in or buying a dress in or a pair of jeans or whatever, they're way down in staff. So you need to cut them some slack, really and truly. I don't mean to be preachy, but they're not out to do you. They're not out to pee you off. They're just very low on staff. Um, and then the papers also this morning talk in quite some detail about court reports that I dealt with yesterday. And again, this is an allegation before the courts, of course, and bear that in mind. But a man in his 50s has been charged with an alleged Christmas Day assault on a man and a woman in Bantir, a fellow called Laszlo Nemeth. He's a Hungarian national. The only reason I mention it, of course, and the court case will take its course in court, but he faces two charges of being in possession of offensive weapons capable of causing harm, namely a fishing knife, and a long-handled axe. And that's a worry for me, and I think we should all be worried about the amount of knife crime that we're hearing of these days. But again, these are, this is an allegation. There's an also court report today of another allegation of a, an arrested man allegedly forced his fingers into the eyes of a guard, and he says to the guard, I'll rip the eye out of your head. I hope you lose your eye. This was one of three assaults on Gardaí allegedly carried out by a fellow called Philip Barry, um, from uh, uh, Anglesey Terrace in the city. So that's a court report making both the Echo and the Examiner today. And one television show that's dominating um, everybody's agenda, well, maybe not everybody, in fact, a lot less than other years, and that's Operation Transformation because it's down on last year. 40,000 people tuned out from watching uh, Operation Transformation compared to last year. Now, some would say, when you look at big figures of 382,000, that 40,000 drop is a drop in the ocean to that. But I have seen quite a lot of backlash online uh, with regards to people's views on Operation Transformation. So it certainly isn't up on last year's figures. In fact, it's down. There's another food-related story uh, that went all the way to uh, the European Court of Human Rights uh, over the last couple of days. And this is the man who has lost his legal battle against the owners of a bakery who refused to make him a cake with the message, support gay marriage. Uh, the Court of uh, Human Rights in, in Europe has ruled that his claim was inadmissible. I don't think that gentleman has finished yet, Gareth Lee, uh, but the bakery refused to make the cake. And, and uh, in courts in this part of the world, I believe at the time, um, they were defended and uh, they were found to be right um, within their rights not to bake the cake because it was deemed to be a political slogan. Uh, not a human rights issue, but a political slogan. Uh, the gay cake, uh, another bakery actually did make one and it was support gay marriage with Ernie and Bert on the front of the cake. So that's an interesting one making the red tops today. Um, and much of the stories that you hear about these days may well be physically in a newspaper or it might be online. And back in the day, of course, Facebook was huge and I'm not suggesting for a moment that it's not, nor Twitter. I, I guess they're still major players, but Instagram is the is the only game in town now according to the Mirror. Sorry, according to the Sun because they're saying that Instagram is said to be the number one app in Ireland. This will be the biggest platform for social media use by all And then I heard this morning, although I don't see it in any of the newspapers, of a three-year-old toddler, right, somewhere in the world at the age of three years old. Now, believe this if you will, but it's claimed that this three-year-old asked his mother 
if he could set up a YouTube account and has done so and has like, I don't know, I don't know how many hundred million followers he has and how many tens of millions he has in his bank account. But the main breadwinner in the family now is a three-year-old by all accounts, video after video after video. I'm assuming the three-year-old isn't capable of editing them, but you'd never know these days. So you wouldn't, you just wouldn't, like maybe the kid is doing it all himself. Um, actually, funnily enough, when they look at, um, you know, quality of life and things that we do, apparently the age of 24 is the cutoff age for the best sleeps of your life. After 24, apparently, researchers are saying your sleep patterns and your, f- I got a great night's sleep. Um, that starts to change after 24. And the simple reason for its deterioration is because the stresses, the pressures, the responsibilities of life kick in at the age of 24. So your best kip is 24 and under. And then there's a lovely one that I saw. Sale Cork uh, re-shared this one from uh, iFish, where they um, actually have a photograph... <laughs> have a photograph of a box of Donegal catch um, and it says in the post I called into the local Tesco this evening and lifted a box of fish branded Donegal catch um, Alaska Pollock caught in the Pacific <laughs> packaged in Poland hasn't I haven't ever come close I don't think that the Pollock has ever come close to Irish waters and it is right Donegal catch it says Alaska Pollock caught in the Pacific Ocean Produced in Poland for Green Isle. <laughs> uh, I mean, imagine, probably it's the name of the company is Donegal Cash. It's not as if the fish is caught off Donegal. The Neil Prenderville Show. Lines open, you can text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on our brand new phone number 0818104106. Can I just say, Free Food Friday is back for the new year. If you're back at work, and many of us are, then you have an opportunity to win free pizza for you and all of your workmates today. So text who you are and where you are to 0868104106. And we'll have six of the big, large jumbo pizzas with garlic breads and potatoes and drinks and dips and desserts. It'll feed about 15 of you. And as I always say, if there's not 15 in the company, share it with the business next door. So text who you are and where you are to 0868104106 and Oak Fire Pizza will sort you. Think about them at the weekend if you're buying or ordering pizza. Now, I just want to check in with Dr. John Sheehan before he goes into surgery because he waited for me and I appreciate it as always. Dr. John, good morning. Morning, Neil. Things are changing so quickly every day. And the one word that I come up with from the last program that I did yesterday was the word confused. Because the amount of questions and queries that I'm getting, particularly from parents, I don't have all of the answers with regards to isolation, segregation, time you need to spend in quarantine. Are you confused? Are you very clear about what's going on? It is challenging, Neil. You're you're dead right. And I was recalling what you said Tuesday morning, Neil, on your program, where you said, you know, this virus keeps changing, mutating, but eventually it's going to head a bit like the flu. And I just want to give your listeners some bit of hope. That's the direction things are are heading. Um, So not to lose hope, not to get dispirited. We're probably going to reach a peak in the next two weeks of hospitalization, um, given the way the curve is going, the way things are compared to last year. But there will be, you know, bright times ahead. And there will, you know, we will probably get holidays this year. We will see a bit of sunshine as I look out the window at the dark and the rain here this morning. You know, so I will be optimistic um, about this. But we do have challenges ahead. And we have challenges ahead mainly due to Omicron. Okay, can I ask you about that? Certainly, how how up to date are you on what's happening in hospitals, particularly in ICU? That's all Delta, I believe, is it? The vast majority of it. A a lot of it is because the ICU, when people go into ICU with uh, with COVID, they tend to stay there along. So we're 
you're getting the tail of the Delta variant gotcha. now. But most people who are in hospital, um, a lot, most of them, unfortunately, a lot, a lot of them are unvaccinated. Over 50% of the ones in ICU are unvaccinated. Yeah. But Omnicron is, dom- is, is, is by far the dominant um, variant that's out there at the moment. And there's a few things about that, Neil. Is but it's not we- leading people to hospitalization. That's po- important, isn't no, it? No, it's not. No. And if you look at the, uh, if we can remember back to Alpha, which was the first major one, then Delta and then Omnicron, you're 10 times less likely to end up in ICU with Omnicron than you are with Alpha. If vaccinated. You know? If vaccinated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's, that's good news. Yeah, it is. You know? And of course, the downside of the moment is that, uh, you know, like schools are back. Is that going to put pressure? Are we going to see, is that why we're going to see a bigger peak in the next 10 days because of the returns to schools? Not really, no. Um, uh, most of the data shows, and we have very good data from last year and from the other pre- uh, peaks, that it's, it's, it's mainly household and community spread rather than schools are the big driver of this. The difficulty is, of course, this is very infectious. But for most people who have it, and you know, we, I, we've had loads and loads of calls uh, this week, they're, they're sick, but they're, they're at home sick. They're bad flu sick rather than hospital sick. Unfortunately, there's, a, there's obviously a cohort who will get sick and very, you know, very sick and need hospitalization. But the vast majority of people, it's it's a hassle. They're sick. They're feeling unwell. They're fairly flaked out at home, but they're not, you know, very very sick. And that's really due to the vaccinations and the booster. Because like, I, I heard uh, the weekend that Omicron attacks the the throat and gives a bad headache. But you're saying it also has other side effects, a bit like Delta. We're talking about fatigue. Is it? Fatigue is, yeah, the, the commonest symptoms that, we, that we're seeing is fatigue is by far the one. People are just wrecked, you know, people who normally be out and about doing things, um, they're just absolutely floored. Um, headache, sore throat, uh, runny nose. Um, some people get kind of pain in their lungs. Now, that was more common um, um, with, the other, with the Delta variant, but some people get kind of pain in, in your lungs and coughing. But fatigue is by far the mo- some of the most common and kind of flu-like symptoms. And are you across all of the restrictions, isolation um, changes? Because it's, it's even broken down into age groups now, zero to 39-year-olds, it, it has changed for, but the 39 pluses it hasn't changed for. Isn't that right? Yeah, yeah, it, it, it has changed. Yeah, and it changed. we're going webinars about twice a week at the moment at night, and we had one last night now with the Ronan Glynn, with the Deputy Medical Officer and, and a few other people just explaining about it. The Health, Health Surveillance Protection uh, HSPCC website is really, really good. It's not the easiest website to go around, but they do have frequently asked questions if you're a contact, and they have sort of algorithms to show, you know, if you're vaccinated, if you're boosted, these are the, what you have to do. If you're under 80, if you're under 13, this is what you have to do. And, you know, it is very, very good resource and we go to it every day and we have it open on our on our screens every day. Yeah. So what is just just the the, the top lines on this with regards to somebody who um uh, is testing positive and double jabbed? If you're testing positive and you're double jabbed, you're talking 10 days. And two things, they want you to have a PCR test. I think that's going to change, Neil, and I think it should change. Um, and they're beginning to change that because if you have symptoms and if you have a positive antigen, really you have COVID. Um, you know, the, the whole thing about waiting for the PCR tests and the backlogs, I think they certainly should change that because I don't think for, 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 for those people, there shouldn't be a need. And unfortunately, a lot of people need it for work. They need it for social welfare. They need it for certs and things like that. So they're beginning to change that. Like, for instance, yesterday, we got a, a note 
notification that now people don't need it for their social welfare certs if they have a positive antigen test and confirmation from the HSE or from their GP uh, that they that they that that they, that they have COVID so that they don't need to go for PCR test. Oh, because that was a query yesterday morning on the air. Yeah, yeah. so that's that's so, one. So they're beginning to move away from that, and I think they should, and they should be keeping the PCR test for the people where there's doubt or people are unsure or they have to because it's a wasting an awful lot of people's time and it's causing an awful lot of stress. They're booking a test, they're waiting four or five days, and they feel they're stuck and they have a positive antigen test and symptoms, and we should be taking that as evidence. Of yeah, hope. but why did I hear then that they were talking about double jabbed uh, with a booster testing positive, isolating for seven days? And they could come out two days early if there was no symptoms at the back of the seven days. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so they, they, they've they're different, and, and this is why I'd zero to thirty nine. Yeah, I, I'd encourage people to go onto the uh, to the website because it changes whether people are vaccinated or whether they've had their booster. Yeah. If you had your booster, it's shorter. So, um, and you will, you know, each case will be very individual. But the website is very, very good, and they have a short sort of crib sheet of frequently asked questions. So, really, I would encourage people to you know to go to go onto that. And the difficulty with this, Neil, is, and again, this gets back to your the point you were making on Tuesday morning is eventually we're going to have to call this because what's happening now with all the close contacts and all the people out of school, there's 12,000 HSE staff out at the moment. This will be a long January and then after January I think things will significantly um, improve and people will start getting back to some element of normality. I know you talk about the welfare aspects of this but do bear in in mind that you will need the PCR result for the recovery certs. Uh, you won't get a recovery cert with an antigen, you see, and then there's all of the delays for the PCR certs. Yeah, and, and I think they're going to have to change that as well, Neil, because um, it's just, you know, what we're finding now is we're, we're, we're referring people for PCR tests and people are booking P- PCR tests, not for clinical reasons, because they know they, they have it, they have the symptoms, they're following all the guidelines, but they're doing it for uh, effectively administrative reasons because they need the cert, That's they right. need the cert for work, they yeah. need the, you know all that and they, they really need to change that because it's not fair on people, they're trying to get a, a PCR test, they're waiting it's stressful, so that's something that should change. Department of Social Welfare have changed it yesterday I think the others should change it and you know that would allow us to get on with things and free, free up the PCR testing then for, for, for all those cases where there's a doubt now, just looking ahead, because you did say that, uh, you know, there are better days ahead. We did hear that 12 months ago. And then, of course, um, you know, that didn't prove to be true. Then Omicron came along. It was a bit of a, you know, a, a false alarm to, to some extent. What are the chances of another virus coming down the track? And, you know, will vaccinations and boosters and the Pfizer pill be enough? Yeah, it's a good point. There's new variant comes up about every week. About two or three variants, different variants of COVID show their head every week, but most of them aren't significant. And then one like Omicron comes up or Delta. Um, so there will be more variants. But what we're finding is each time, you know, the, the memory cells due to the vaccinations and the booster, they seem to be fairly effective against them. Now we have... That's what you're talking about, the, that our own bodies are more effective, is it? Our own bodies are most effective, yeah. Yeah, so, so you know, we, we might have the variant, it might be more transmissible, but we're not sick sick. If you look at the rate of people going into hospital for the number of cases, it's way less than it was a year ago. And now we're beginning to see medications that are beginning to be, come out. You know, three companies now have, uh, have medications that are beginning to to work their way through. They haven't arrived yet, but they're beginning to work their way through. So So will it end up then in the category of common flu? 
I think it will. I think it'll end up a common flu. We'll be a bit careful in terms of, you know, distancing and kind of infection control. I think we'll be getting a booster sort of once a year. And I think we'll be getting on with our lives. Yeah, because ICU does appear to be holding steady, doesn't it? I mean, okay, we had admissions yesterday, but there were more discharges than admissions. And it's 90 in ICU. Is that, will that hold steady, do you think, in the next fortnight? It seems to be. I mean, if you look at the, the, the data we were presented by the Deputy Chief Medical Officer last night, um, if they, they would have expected the ICU numbers to have gone up at this stage. So it, it does seem to be holding. So that's a really encouraging sign. Yeah, OK. But is, is it still a recommendation to be very careful around elderly or immunocompressed or suppressed? It is because, because thankfully they're, they're the group that are, are, are highest number of vaccinations and the highest number of boosters. It's, it's well into the late 90s, 90, 98% or so. So they, they're really protected, but they're also very, very good. But they're also more vulnerable. Yeah. So, you know, if they get it, they're just, they just struggle. So could it be more. said that the majority of those in ICU would be quite elderly? No, the majority of those in ICU are, are, are younger people who are, are vaccinated. They are they? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And do we have the do we have the main age group for that? Is it fifty fives and unders, forty fives and unders? Perhaps I think it's for, about forty five to fifty five. That's my understanding. Wow, that is a scary um, age yeah. group, isn't it? Yeah, Using to be it that way. Okay, yeah. it's, it's, the un, it's, the un, it's not being vaccinated. Unfortunately, is the biggest risk factor for ending up in ICU. Oh, and that's why they're saying over fifty percent of those in ICU are unvaccinated, representing five percent of the population. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, there's not a whole lot can be done about that. If they weren't going to get vaccinated by now, they probably aren't, are they? No, but, but the encouraging thing is we're still seeing people, particularly younger people, coming in for boosters. We're still, you know, we're still coming across people every day who, for whatever reason, didn't get vaccinated, and now they want, they've changed their mind. So, you know, there, 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 there still is a good bit of vaccinations to be done, and that is really encouraging, you know, to see people get vaccinated. It's the one, the single best thing you can do to protect yourself and your loved ones from COVID. Okay, and do you have any thoughts then on parents with regards to their children not sending them to school medically? Are you, are you across that? I, I, I think if your child uh, is fit and healthy, I would send your, ch- your child to school. Um, they've shown community and household outbreaks are actually a higher risk for children than school. But I see, I don't that understand that there. when they talk about household outbreaks. How come they say that? Because a household outbreak could come from a school, couldn't it? It certainly could, but they're, they're talking then in terms of school clusters. So, so if you get an outbreak in school, you should see it in the school. But what they're seeing is uh, they're seeing it scattered, right? To, you know, yeah. pattered around the place rather than all these individuals going to one. But you're like, it's, there's no blame to anybody, really. It's 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 pretty much no. everywhere now. If you're going to get yeah, it, you're everyone's get it. doing. Yeah, and that's why I think Neil, we need to change about the PCR testing and the contact tracing because that's very useful when the numbers are small and you're trying to close it down. But when it's everywhere, you just obey the guidelines and you just mind yourself and you're just be careful and we have to start getting on with our lives. Countries such as Denmark now and other countries are beginning to call this and I think this is what's going to happen eventually it's where you just you know, mind yourself, you're yeah. careful, you follow the guidelines, use the mask, the distancing, the hand washing, all of that, and you start getting on with life. I get on. I so agree with you there. Do you think finally that maybe we should stop publishing the daily positive numbers? I, I, I think what's much more useful is hospitalisation and ICU numbers because, you know, we had um, I don't know, I forget the figure, um, 23,000 yesterday. But really, we probably had about 40,000, they're estimating, because so many people couldn't get tested yeah, and all yeah, of that. So yeah. so it, it's become a bit of an irrelevance. It's like publishing how many people have the, have a cold. That's right, and it's, it's adding into the fear, isn't it, and anxiety? Yeah. It's well, you know, it's how many are in hospital, how many are in ICU, 
how many are vaccinated and can we get the vaccination up more and they're the big figures good man yourself fair play I'll let you get back to it John, Dr John thanks as always for being available I do appreciate it Dr John Sheehan at Blackpool Bridge Surgery so he's quite optimistic and it's great to be positive on stories like this isn't it God knows we deserve it in the coming weeks we'll see huge improvements and huge changes albeit uh, with numbers to climb a little bit more but a lot of that has to do with the fact that we're in January and the seasonality of it all anyway text 0868104106 hope you found that helpful back after the break Neil's got a new number call him now on 0818104106 and you can pick up the phone on our new number, 0818-104-106. A lot of people responded yes to my question as to whether kids were going back to school. We're keeping our grandkids off school till next Monday, says Thomas. Another one here. Put teachers and principals on the pop when they're not in work. Watch their attitude to closing schools willy-nilly change then, says Pat. But to be fair, if the teachers aren't in school, they're in school because they either have COVID or they're a close contact. Um, I, I work in a shop in Cork. None of the teens came back from down the country after Christmas. I'm doing the work of four people at the moment. Something has to give. It's unsustainable from an exhausted retail worker. And that's why I was saying earlier on, bear in mind and be extra kind to people working in retail because they're run off their feet. Uh, text 0868 My do- on, ca- on cannabis from yesterday, following on my conversations with the brewery, my daughter got very sick from cannabis. She got cannabinoid hypermesis syndrome and was hospitalized for a week. After a month, she was back in again for 10 days, constant vomiting for days on end. The risk are very, are never highlighted. Like, for instance, over abuse of cannabis can lead to kidney failure. Cannabis, cannabis is abused and does have hidden harms that we never ever hear about. Yeah, but somebody who uses cannabis responsibly would say that the same kind of damage can be done by alcohol and that's a legal product. On alcohol, it's an absolute disgrace what they are doing with the price of drink now, especially for older people where a drink is their only comfort. People who need a drink to function, they just don't think before bringing in these changes as usual. Uh, Minimum pricing units uh, is not an increase in excise, Neil. Any extra money goes into the retailer's pocket. There is no increase in alcohol excise. Well, whatever you want to call it, the added price does not in any way, shape or form um, go to any kind of uh, rehab or uh, any kind of counselling. It either goes to the manufacturer the retailer or the government. This is just like the 1920s in America. Taxation and prohibition of alcohol leads to unregulated black markets. The exact same thing will happen here, like it did with cannabis and other drugs. The black market. Uh, great to hear people on the air defending uh, the likes of cannabis legislation, says Cahal and Yaw. And one or two more on that. It's amazing how the government can decide how much people have to pay for alcohol. But they can't do that when it comes to fuel for our cars, home heating or electricity. How stupid are we? And there's reams of those which you'll come back to. You can pick up the phone yourself and text 0868104106. But on the subject of booze or drink, I mentioned to you yesterday the story of a man by the name of Dennis Boyle down west. He's a photographer. And he featured in the Red Tops yesterday, very famous, because he loaded up his shopping trolley with beer bottles and cans and I mean stacks and stacks of it something like 300 cans of the German pills and over 100 bottles of French lager and he did it all before the minimum pricing unit actually came in and he joins me by phone Dennis good morning good morning how are you that's some trolley load of swag in fairness to you how much did it cost 
I tell you know, I was actually warned that I was actually overloading the shopping trolley. They said there was a weight restriction on them coming out of Aldi and uh, <laughs> I actually get it. I actually had a haul in a couple of volunteers that helped me across the road with it. I didn't realise it was that heavy. That was booze, you know? Oh, I actually wondered how you pushed it across the car park without Wait, scraping and scratching other cars. We succeeded. We succeeded. <laughs> you were a man in a mission then. Why did you decide to do it? Well, do you know what, Neil? Like, I was there before Christmas and I went out and I bought myself a box of bud and, a, and two bottles of wine and it cost me, I don't know, I got it, I'd say, for under 30 euros and then I w- was walking through Aldi and I saw that they were bringing in this legislation and I picked up one can and I said to the lady at the counter this can is going to cost me 90 cents how much is this going to cost me tomorrow she said every can there will be minimum 170 so I walked out at 80 cents a can so then I got out my calculator on my phone <laughs> and I done the calculations as to actually how much money my bank would allow me to spend because you know they brought in a thousand euro maximum now you can use on your on your online billing. So I said, you know what, I won't go that far. So I filled up the trolley with as much as I could possibly carry. And I said, I'll get it. Probably I should get six months to a year over that, no need, you know? <laughs> I mean, what's your daily or weekly consumption? Used to, cause, cause I, I mean, look, I'm not going to reveal any of those um, sort of statistics. <laughs> but what I will reveal is that I'll, I'll put usually a slab into the fridge. And when it's gone, then I'll put another slab in, you know? <laughs> And on that basis, 600, 300 cans and 100 bottles should get yeah. you to December, is it? I should. Look, I will just say it'll get me a fair while. I'm not, going, I'm not committing to next December because you could ring me back and it could be well gone. But what I will say is that it'll get me a fair while anyway. So the know? 350 that you spent the day before yeah. was 200 euro more cheaper than it would have been on the day it went up. That's a good it, saving. Within twelve, within within 24 hours, it would have gone up by another 200 euro. That's correct. And have you places to store it all now? Oh, I have. Don't you worry, Neil. Like, they, they, it's, it's under the kitchen counter and it's uh, in the downstairs loo. It's under the stairs. I have a few in the bedroom. Um, I couldn't get them into the attic because it's not one of those reinforced attics. I was actually warned not to go put the of beer up there. It would collapse down through the beams. And, and, then, and then in the summer, the attic gets very hot and it might explode. So I was told, do not put the beer in the attic. So anyone out there stockpiling, Neil, a warning from a builder and a carpenter, do not put the beer in the attic. But anyway. <laughs> so you don't know of any other pals or anybody down west who did the same as you, do you? I mean, because I know you were saying. It always amazes me, the fellas that text you. Weeks a day or two after, wondering are they calling up at the weekend? And I'm going, you know what? No, save those. Don't be calling me. I'll call you. This is mine. It's all mine. It's Stay all away. mine. Correct. And just because they put their hand in their pocket and they see there's forty five euros for a slab of bud below in the shop or whatever, and then they think, hold on, I saw a fella there. I know he's got about fucking five hundred euros worth at home. Don't call me. That's all I'm saying. Neil. Don't call me. I also hear you'll be bringing a few cans when you go fishing. Will you? Hmm. Well, you know what? No, I like if I, I went out there in the summer with a friend of mine who's got a sailboat, and I got a slab and a two. And you know what? No, it's not going to cost me half as much. And during the summer, no, and I have my barbecue, I'm going to enjoy those cans of beer all the more. You like the outdoors, then? I think. Do you like well, to do sure a bit of? Well, you might as well. Sure, come here. That's what it's all about here. Sure, you, you can't even drink inside. No, sure, the pubs close at eight o'clock. <laughs> You know? Well, yeah, but you don't have a pub with no beer anyway, that's for sure. No, no. And you know something? I I, I, look, I hope that um, people will support the local publicans. I have no problem going to the pub, but I just think this is a step too far with the government. And, like, whatever, wherever they come up with this notion, like, and I love the way they quote all these other countries. They quoted Russia, 
They quoted China, they quoted all these places with minimal prices. I won a bit of advice now for those two ages. Why don't they just move over there and stay there? Do us all a favour. Get on a cheap flight. I'm sure Ryanair will give it to him and go over and live in Russia. Because I don't want to live in Russia. I don't want to hear about Russia. I live in West Coast. You don't want to hear comparisons with other countries. I don't want to compare me to a Russian, though. Do you know, like, I, I don't think I have anything in common with Russians, but I'm sure we have one thing in common that we do enjoy a beer. But uh, if you want to live in Russia, away they go. Walk away. There's plenty of room in Russia for the tour. Off they can go get on the plane, you know? All right. Well, listen, it's great to catch up with you. It's French beer, is it? Is that good stuff, Saint Etienne? Is that? Do you know what? It's Saint Etienne. Um, it's, a, it's actually a high-quality lager. <laughs> and uh, what you have to do is you have to, if don't drink it warm. Bring it down to about two or three degrees. We'd up. We'd be all perfect. Chill the glass first. That's a bit of a point. <laughs> Put the glass in the fridge, let it chill. When you pour the beer in, then the head won't go too high. If it's warm, you'll only get a pint of head. That's the thing about the same, the same. But the thing about the other one in the Rhineback or the pills, you get a good old buzz off that. So anyone who's drinking that, I'd say, if they're, if they're a lightweight, if you're a lightweight, just stick to the old same, the same. But if you can take a bit of a, you know, good quality pill, go for the same. I gotcha, I Rhineback. gotcha. Words of advice. So I won't yeah. give out your home address then or your postcode or anything, no? Oh, Absolutely not, because uh, I've got. Don't you worry, Neil. That's well secured. Um, I know a number of people. Like, like I said, just anyone looking to get their hands in my beer, stay away. I'm yeah. quite happy. But do you know, I I guess Ricky, when it runs out, I'll probably get into the car and head to Newry because there's there's a Tesco up there and there's all the other shops and good quality pubs up there, and uh, you can get no slaughter in the pubs as well up there. So I'll probably go up there, maybe. October, November next year and I'll head up and I'll put the seats down in the back of the car and make plenty of room stay in the Canal Court Hotel for the night go up to the windmill bar for a couple of scoops with the locals and fill up the car on the way down and happy days I call into my relatives in Dublin and it's an excuse to go up and an excuse not to pay Fair play you have your euros for a slab have you heard? 45 will I say it again Neil 45 euros 45 did you did you build anything like an outdoor bar or anything during the pandemic? No, I didn't go into any of that. No, I loaded the room. I can sit around. Would you not think of that then? Maybe get a keg and put in a tap yeah. or something. You know something out of thing about kegs is you need coolers and you need refrigeration. You're happy that. with the fridge and the can. It's just that there was a huge amount of outdoor bars built last year and the year before. There know? was, there was. Do you know I I have a grand garden there. I, I got an old picnic bench. Um, I got the barbecue, I've got the umbrella. I sure sit away down and be happy out with that. I don't build an outdoor bar. If I want to have a point at the bar, I'll go down to my local and have a good All right, well, all you need is a bit of sunshine then at some stage to enjoy the outdoors. Well, you know what? No, I looked at the weather forecast. We're not getting it in the next couple of days. So look, we can dream, isn't it? Have a great weekend. It's lovely chatting with you, Dennis. Take Please, care, sir. Thanks so. very much for the call and uh, give us a call sometime. I'll let you know. And if you want to come back to me there next November, and I'll let you know how we got on. I might check in with you in the trip. summer to see how the, how the swag of beer is doing, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, you could, yeah, I just hope it's still there. That's the problem, you know, it's looking at me. Actually, you know what, I might just have a can. Go on, I'll talk to you Good later. Lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. You can t- sorry one sorry I've done it again. Oh eight one eight one zero four one zero six. You can text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Particularly because we've heard we heard from a window cleaner recently that the amount of unbelievably impressive outdoor bars 
particularly in one particular estate on the north side, it's incredible. I mean, the lengths that people have gone to and the standards of the outdoor bars they've put in are amazing. He saw them apparently when he was cleaning windows and window cleaners see everything. Don't know what estate it is, but we'd love to see some more of the pictures of it or exactly where he was talking about. Text 0868104106. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0868104106. Red FM. Uh, super text, guys, from yesterday's program. Thank you all. Some really uh, very interesting questions. One is, um, actually, this is this is very true uh, if you think of this text in the context of what it's sent. It says, so, so, vaccinated persons are allowed to go on a plane and travel with no restrictions. The unvaccinated are not allowed on a plane without a negative PCR test. So what happens if a sick vaccinated person goes on a plane and infects everyone? Who's responsible for this? They'll say the unvaccinated person. Um, and of course, that won't be right. You're, you're right. You're absolutely right. And, and that's why maybe the person who sent this text isn't quite aware. Um, this texture says, my son is fully vaccinated and he's had COVID twice. Clearly, the vaccine isn't working. And the government are going around in circles, biting the tails off one another. They haven't a clue what is happening. They have nephed in their back pocket. School principals aren't wrong here. Point being is that, yeah, your, your son is fully vaccinated and he's had COVID twice. And I also know of people who are fully vaccinated and have had COVID twice because the vaccine doesn't stop you from getting it. It just stops you from getting very, very sick or passing it on as much as if you would if you were an unvaccinated person. So I just just want to make that point. Uh, actually, just one or two more quick ones then. Anthony says, I really think it's the same old story. And then they add COVID into the mix. This is to do with our healthcare system. He says, why is our healthcare system the same old story year in, year out for decades? And why do people put up with it? Uh, they didn't have months, but years to prepare for an event like this. No beds in hospital? It really is wearing a bit thin now. And of course, the teachers are having the usual moan. It's gone to the point of it just being ridiculous. He says, when are you going to understand that the government will keep the country open regardless of people's health and lives? They haven't a clue. At this stage, opening the country uh, for everyone is the only way to go. Uh, well, we know where we're at right now. and We'll have to see what happens. A lot then on minimum pricing. Uh, it's uh, Yeah, and again, bear in mind, um, it's the retailer that really benefits here. Um, it means supermarkets and off-licenses can sell products below what they buy them for. So the only extra that the government will get is the extra VAT. Supermarkets, off-licenses get the rest. The money from the price of drink hike is going to the shops, Neil, and the off-licenses, not the government. So thank you for all of those. Yesterday uh, on air, I spoke with Richard Hyde, um, who uh, had a really bad house fire that started with the battery of his um, his uh, electric golf cart. Um, actually, Frank said by text following that, are we worried at all that this could happen an awful lot more in the future when people are charging electric cars overnight? Um, and I don't know that it would be the car that would go on fire, but maybe the plug on the side of the house that the car is plugged into could become an added problem uh, with regards to house fires he's suggesting. But I just wanted to update on this with Richard. Richard, good morning. Because good, thanks, pal. Good. Um, and since we spoke yesterday, you got some word back from the insurance company. Is that right? Yeah. Well, basically, it's regarding the whole emergency accommodation uh, situation. Um, so it's been well, it's last Wednesday. So it's been nine days now since the house fire. And basically, if it wasn't in family, we'd be still homeless. You know. Yeah. And um, because we we're just hoping that the actual insurance company would put us up somewhere. In the meantime, but they're kind of, they're saying they have to go through the whole rigmarole of 
finding out the cause of the fire and all this and sending now. But don't, don't, I mean, I've seen ads on television in the past where they, they say part of your policy is that we will put you somewhere else. They'd even do it, say, for instance, flooding in the house and things, burst yeah, pipes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I've never do- dealt with insurance companies before and I've, that's, that's what everyone's been telling me. That Do you remember the Harvey Keitel ad on television uh, where, you know, remember he was doing ads yeah. for some insurance company and they would do that. They'd put you in temporary accommodation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, well, it's been, as I said, it's been nine days now and we still don't know where we are with regards to that situation. So, uh, so where's your mum, Carol, for instance? She's here with me now. Yeah. And where's she, and where, the two of you with the in-laws, is it? Yeah, well, actually, we booked to the Radisson Hotel in this line last night just because um, we needed to get away and have our space just to think about things and stuff. I know. And do you, do you uh, think that if, like, if you were to stay in the Radisson, would you be able to reclaim all of that from the insurance company? Do you even know that? It? Yeah, well, basically, they told us um, that we need to come up with solutions, like we need to price up uh, maybe house rental and stuff uh, and get back to them with prices, and then they have to agree to whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, because it might be too expensive to send in for them and, you know, they'll be trying to cut down prices and everything. So, basically, we don't know where we're we at at the moment. But you have to shell out the, the money in advance kind of thing before yeah, you get it yeah, back. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Because, like, there's going to be a lot of work to the house. I mean, the house is destroyed. Oh, yeah. So, uh, I don't know what kind of structural work needs doing, but you'll certainly need waste removal. All of the different trades will have to come in. Yeah, yeah. You'll have to have cleaners in. So, this is going to be at least weeks. Oh, yeah, if not months. If not yeah. months, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because um, fire yeah. damage is it, fire damage is bad. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it has the whole place destroyed. Yeah, lots of work to be done. So, so you yeah, can't stay in the fun. Radisson every night, like you just can't do that. Uh, well, for we we probably could, but just you know, if the, if the insurance company say they're not going to cover it, we don't know. We'll be able to pocket in ourselves, you know. But that you could know, be a gr- that could be a grand a week just for one. Oh, yeah, one or two rooms. What it is, yeah, yeah. So what's uh, what's the plan? Do you need help with that? Are you, do you need to try and find somewhere to live? Yeah, just like basically until we find out word from the insurance company. Like that could take a couple of days, could be a week or whatever. Like it's already been, as I said, nine days. Um, and yeah, we just kind of need space where we can just have our own bed, um, cook, cook dinners and stuff like that. And, uh, you know. Um, so how, how many in, in total just I know there's yourself and your mam Carol but there's yeah there's, and my brother as well yeah so because yeah. there's Carol and four children well all adults now are grown up but yeah. is it is yeah, it yeah. is it three of you or four of you just three of us yeah yeah yeah. so is so, it like uh, some some kind of accommodation just to tide you over somewhere furnished yeah yeah I, I, hopefully yeah that's that's what we're kind of looking for um, now we, as I said on the, on the air yesterday we had a house set up ready to go in Vienna Woods but we were waiting for, for the go-ahead from the insurance company. And were you going to be uh, paying for that then weekly and they'd pay you back or something, is it? Yeah, I think that's what we thought, you know. Um, but they said not to do anything a while because they need to to get the um, report from uh, the assessors and forensics and stuff like that. You know, just, they still haven't got everything they need. Um, and when you say to them, where are we supposed to live, what, what do they say to that? Yeah, they, they, honestly, they're just saying there's nothing we can do. We apologise, we know your situation. It's very tough, you know, I know, but they just, they won't give us an answer. And nine days later, why hasn't it been forensically assessed? Yeah, I know. Like, we've we've had the original assessor, they sent their assessor down on the Friday of that week, which was been two days later, after the fire. And uh, he got all his notes, blah, blah, blah. He took everything. He said, yeah, you're fine. We're grand. You can start cleaning up and stuff like that now. And then a couple days later, they rang again saying, we're going to have to send another... Um, Actually, they said a forensic examiner, yeah. um, just to see the, the actual cause, and they wanted to see the battery and stuff like that, and the remains of it. So, 
she's coming from Dublin today actually um, and hopefully we'll have more answers but that'll probably be next week by the time it's we hear it all sounds very vague to me to be weekend, honest with you yeah it is yeah very vague yeah so it is like a three bedroom furnished something yeah. like that yeah it would be absolutely ideal just to tie us over as you said yeah and would, more back. W- w- are you in a position to pay rent on that or would um, the GoFundMe help or are you yeah, looking well, for a kind generous yeah. gesture for a few weeks yeah, yeah yeah well do you know what we could use the GoFundMe that'd be fine but we're not sure we were hoping to keep that for the building work and stuff just in case the insurance doesn't cover everything you know we might end up being stuck for stuff towards the end of uh, the rebuild and stuff but uh yeah, I'd we, love we, to know we, what we, other people do in the in the event of their house being destroyed or yeah, having a lot yeah. of fire damage. Where do they go for long, yeah. a long period of time? I'm sure there are people listening who have been through something similar. Like, I imagine all of your clothing has been destroyed because... Oh, yeah, yeah. It, like, it has, yeah. My room had everything in it, all my clothes. Everything. Yeah, but all of the other rooms as well because the smoke went oh, everywhere. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Covered in smoke and whatever. Now, now, in fairness, we've had friends come down. They've offered us, they've actually bought us some clothes. And they've been washing our old clothes and stuff in, in their own washing machines and bringing them back to us dry and stuff. So they've been a help uh, that way. But uh, it's then <laughs> where do we put the clothes in the meantime, you know? Oh, my God. Okay. I don't know who's, who might be listening that might be in a position to help. And you could maybe start if somebody has something that they think might work. But, like, clearly the long-term solution to this is not hotel bedrooms. Yeah, it's not ideal. It's very, like... It's far from ideal. Last night, you can see for the three of us, we have two rooms. It's very cramped. We, like... We're living out of bags at the moment. And you have um, to pay? Yeah, oh yeah, I've had to pay. I just... Off my own pocket. But that's fine. Like, there, there's no bother. We just keep receipts and stuff like I that. I just would have thought that an insurance company would kick in straight away and say, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, you that's, come up that's with the accommodation point. and we will pay, but here is yeah. your budget kind of thing. That hasn't yeah, even happened. Yeah, that's exactly what's what what happened, but it's, it's apparently more complicated than that. Okay, okay, all right. So let's put an appeal out there to anybody that might be in a position to help. Um, I know that the community in Little Island have been great, haven't they? Oh, and yeah, they really have, yeah, yeah. Now, we have been staying with friends, and I said families and neighbours, but it's just with the whole COVID situation as well, you know, if, if we compromise any of those, like, say we got it, we went back to their house. And, I understand, you know, I forgot about all of that, yeah. I know, I know, so. I know. The only thing is, you're, 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 it's at a time when there is very little accommodation available yeah. either to, to buy yeah, or to yeah. rent or what have you. Um, yeah. But there's also Airbnb. I don't know whether that's an option, but of course that would be expensive too. Listen, I don't know who may be listening, but we've got it out there now, and maybe somebody might be in a position to help you and the family. Let's see, all right? Yeah, that'd be great. No problem, hopefully. Okay, but I will stay in touch with you, Richard, and if you have any updates with regards to the insurance company or the assessors that are coming, feel free to come back and update us, all right? Yeah, I will, of course, Neil. Okay, pal, take care for Thanks now. Thanks very much. Cheers. Cheers. That's the Hyde family, if you think you're in a position that you can help, or indeed have been through something like this in the past. What actually happens when you literally can't go back into your own home? You can't go in because it's been burnt down or there's extensive damage or the smoke damage, and you've got to go somewhere else for a long period of time. What happens then? And, you know, how did you get on with your insurance company? You can either text on 86 8104106 or email neil at redfm.ie I'm Lana O'Connor Red FM News is first for local national and international news and you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie 104 to 106 Red FM. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. You betcha free food Friday, courtesy of ourselves and Oak Farm Pizza. So we will have uh, six large pizzas, the really big ones with the garlic bread sides, potato sides, drinks, drips and dips, I should say, and uh, lovely desserts. It'll feed 15 people. Text who you are and where you are to 086 8104 106. Who you're working 
and what are you doing? All the staff at Rathpeakin Fireplaces, good morning. They're up in Hollymount. Should be a great start to the new year. Everybody at uh, Gate Childcare in Little Island, good morning to you all. To Dairy Gold Accounts Payable. Uh, up Mitchellstown Way to Passage West Post Office to Anne and all of the girls Bridgewater Homes in Blackrock are listening Pat Dalton's pharmacy and staff on the North Main Street are looking for a treat that was a text that came in from one of their loyal customers Blockwall Developments in Ballinglana oh it's a tough working outdoors on building sites at this time of the year Boots on Half Moon Street would love pizza especially Shauna uh, morning to everybody at Air Meds Medical Supplies and Training in Mallow to a stay at home mum Grace in Shanbally who'd love pizza unique fit outs Unit 4 at Arts at Sarsfield Industrial Estate in Glanmire listening this morning everybody at Blarney Window Systems would love a treat they're all out in this weather not complaining and they're making people's homes warm and cosy well done to you Roadstone Dispatch are back in full swing in Balancolic would love pizza to start the year expert attic conversions in Balancolic just another few it's a lovely one happy birthday to my husband Charlie who's 40 today that's Maria in Lehenamore if you have spare pizza we'd give it to what you would be giving it to a good home uh, y'all uh, oh, so this is another person working from home down in y'all is Ashling herself and her team in Leia Healthcare and it's also her birthday next week so that's for everybody in Leia who are working from home Collins Delivery in Middleton Newmarket Builders Providers are listening as well today as are the nurses at Kinsale Primary Care Centre and just another few FTC accounts in Wellington Road the Medigroup in Cathedral Road Mercy Care Unit in Gronabraher also are listening uh, a nice story to this actually I don't work there but I was a patient shortly before Christmas because I broke my leg and the nursing manager Nula and all of the staff were fantastic sometimes thankless and not always acknowledged the job they do and they do it with a smile. Uh, I'm sure they'd be delighted if they won some pizza says Willie O'Sullivan in Middleton who broke his leg and went to the Mercy Urgent Care Centre and was so well looked after and TK First Aid and Hygiene uh, having a very very first busy first week because they are one of the companies that supply and distribute antigen tests so well done to you for that. So keep those texts coming, particularly for Free Food Friday. Text who you are and where you are to 0868104106 and we'll do the next bunch of shoutouts in about half an hour's time. Meanwhile, we got a lot of calls, texts and emails. Let's go back to the phone lines and get stuck in. Kieran, good morning. Good morning, how are we going? Okay, so here we are again with, uh, you're talking about people, employers in the workplace, is it? Yeah, yeah like what's the end of the day, a three-year-old van, right? Yeah. A old van. And uh, just after Christmas, the back doors are jammed. They won't open. So I phoned Renault to assist. And they sent their SOS out to me to check. And they said the lock is destroyed. But I said, there have to be no lock or whatever. So I couldn't do that until Tuesday. They've just gone. So I phoned a few Renault garages. One wouldn't see me. One said he'd see me this Friday. And the other is next Wednesday. But the fellow Friday phoned me. He said, we're covered. I can't, we can't see up until the 17th of the month. But what does that actually mean? What does he mean by with COVID? They're dome workers. Oh, okay, okay. I right, it. I said, grand then. So I phoned Renault, um, Renault, I phoned back Renault, and I was telling them, I said, I can't, it's the band team till earliest next Wednesday, I says. I said, I said, you have to give me a band. He said, no, no, it's down to COVID. He said, we can't give a band. <clears throat> So I said, what do you mean? It's not my fault at all. I said, the, the, the locks are broken in the van. How old is the van? Three years old. Okay, what kind of warranty would be on something like that? A five-year warranty. So they'd have to replace it, wouldn't they, temporarily? Yeah, they temporarily. I thought, well, I get a van off them. They, so they, um, they said, is it a manufacturer warranty? Or is it a manufacturer fault? I said, I opened the doors, it's five o'clock, I closed them. 
It's a one o'clock, I've been to open the doors, they wouldn't open. So it's hardly my fault, I says. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. I, I, I must name, I says, surely be the guy you give me a van. I said, I'll, I'll get in next Wednesday, whatever, like. Because you can't do any work now. I do. I can do work, but it's all in the side door. Neither it's 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 hard, right? You know what I mean? What kind of stuff? What kind of stuff you're carrying around in the back of the van? I'd be there. What's there? My fuel in that, right? You know, I have to put everything in by hand now in the back door and take it out. I'm in the side door, sorry, in the side door. To put a handball at all, and normally fuck to put in the back door. So there's two issues going on here, really. One is the issue with Renault trying to get a temporary van off them, but the second one is people who just, they've all, all of their staff are out or they're way down for staff. Yeah, I don't blame the garages, but it's Renault, it's, it's, it's back in Renault itself, like, you know what I mean? The garages are down staff, they, they can't do nothing, like, but it's, I have around the warranty, so I should, there's plenty of vans out there that I, they can give me, like, do you know what I mean? They say, here's a van till they get the van team there. That usually, that's usually what happens, isn't it? That's normally what happens, and this time they blame COVID. No, they, they won't give a van to us. It's my tough no, because of COVID. That's my tough look. They're not, they can't see the van till next Wednesday, so it's I have to pay for it now myself. I, and there's a, what's the name? I found another one I crowd in there, in uh, White Cross, the other there, um, out by Ballinahina. Yeah. But they are a truck depot, right? They're truck, they're two different, there's a white, a green line and a red line, so they're in the red line, so they can't touch the van. But they, they, they do it straight away, and I told the man in Renault, I said, phone up um, the truck place in Ballinheim, I said, they said they do it straight away, if he pay them, he wouldn't do that either. He said, go and get it done yourself. I said, would you give me back the money? He said, no, we're not paying your So if you had to get it done, outside, including the fact that you have a warranty, you'd have to pay for it? Pay for it myself, yeah, and I have a five-year warranty with the van, your man said, go and pay, pay yourself. And they, they won't reimburse me. Yes, it's, it's a dose, isn't it? Oh, yeah, but big companies like that, they're using COVID, like, do you know what I mean? That's, that's a disgrace. But I know, but I do, I accept that staff are probably down right across oh, yeah, the workforce. Oh, yeah, but, but they have vans on the road, they, they, they have vans inside grades that they put in, and demo vans or whatever. Why, why can they give one of them for a couple of days to the scene? So you can get out to work and get on with what you do, yeah. It's not your yeah. fault that it's broken and it is under warranty, yeah. I mean, it's only two years old, the van, they, they won't open. I got a, I got, I got a new old mechanic there, I'm going to have a look at it. He, he, couldn't, he couldn't do anything with it, he said. The old lock have to be replaced, he said. Yes, I mean, I don't know what I can do for you, pal. I mean, uh, is there anything that can be done to help you out? I, I don't need I could go in at the van in the morning, but fucking, why should yeah. I be out my pocket, right? Do you know what I mean? I know, I know, I know. It's, I bought a brand new van for less hassle, like, do you know what I mean? And then this, these things happen, then go in. I used to drive old vans, and it's, I, so I bought a new van just to have less hassle, like, I them every four years. Is that a fob? Are they all fob doors and fob locks and things? Yeah, but you can open it with the key as well at the back, like, Joe, but I know. It's, just, it's just one open, like. I know, I know, I know. Um, you think that people are using COVID as an excuse? You're not going to have to do it, they'll know. Like, I did it, it'd be my last time buying it, uh, buying it, and this just shows I'm, I'm standing here. I never can touch it or not. The way I be treated, they know, with these. And you're like the people, then, then they, they don't care, like, do you know what I mean? They just, you lose your hate with them, like, do you know what I mean? Are you just going to hang in there, or do you, do you... I have to hang, you know, with next Wednesday, it's been seen the next Wednesday, like. All right, okay, all right. Well, you know, like, but I, it's, it's for the big company, like, that's used corporate, like, do you know what I mean? And if they're, if they're customers, like, that's what they're doing. Well, let the message go out that if it's under warranty and it's not anything to do with you, that there should be a replacement to get you out of a jam. You are a they working man, yeah. Yeah, there should be, like, it's a working man, like, do you know what I mean? So I, 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 they should be, help me out, like, but they're not. 
the satisfaction that I got. No satisfaction off, off man, the phone. I made, made about six or seven calls to him. All right, my man. Listen, thanks for sharing the story. All the so, same, all right? Take care. So, thanks. All the best. Up. Take care. Text 0868104106. Back after the break. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. And indeed, you can pick up the phone on our new number 0818 104 106. I'll come back to lots of texts and emails across the morning. Um, and just one fast one because we were talking about issues in the community regarding people who need treatment and rehab. And a texter says, I could tell you uh, for fact that the young kids of today think it's cocaine they are getting. And it's not. What they're getting is rat poison mixed with horse tranquilizers. Uh, by the way, did you know that people on the north side are being terrorised with drug dealing? Terrorised. Thank you for that text to 0868104106. And one other issue then regarding estates. Um, it's like the every night no guards ever come to our particular estate in Tannery Gardens in Farinree. It is a lawless estate we're living in. The place looks like a dump. It's like living in a place where you're forgotten about as a mature, as a mature person, which I am. Seeing no guard presence is so worrying. They might the odd time come if called. Take a drive in, see the litter, see the burning wheelie bins, the loitering and the drug dealing. And these are just some of the issues. I read out that text out of respect from the good people of that area of Farnry, but uh, apparently um, the others that are there are making it an awful place to live for those that just want to get on with their lives. Uh, text 0868104106. I mentioned on the air yesterday morning, there was reading a story um, and referenced it with Paddy O'Brien actually, where St. Vincent de Paul were reporting huge numbers of calls. Uh, the figure actually was 1,300 calls a week were being answered by St. Vincent de Paul in Cork over late November and early December. So we're talking about a few weeks um, of 1,300 calls a week. I imagine those numbers will be sustained and remain as high for January when people are even under more pressure after the Christmas and the demands of Christmas. But those comments were made by uh, Jerry Garvey, who's the regional coordinator with St. Vincent de Paul, down in our neck of the woods, and he joins me by phone. Jerry, good morning. Good morning, PJ. Nice no, it's, it's Neil, actually. Neil, my apologies. Apologies. Yeah, okay, wrong radio station. What, what, um, what, what kind of staffing levels do you need to be able to cope with 1,300 calls a week? Well, we would have, generally, we would have three information officers working during the period and we'd have them supported by one or two other staff just for a couple of weeks leading up to Christmas. And the calls that you're getting, um, is that extraordinarily high or is it usually that high at that time of the year? No, it's exceptionally high, uh, Neil. Uh, you know, during the year, we would we would tend to get way, way less than that, maybe five or 600 calls, and that's fairly manageable. Uh, during October, it kind of peaked at around 1,000, which we thought was quite high. It was, it was as high as we'd ever got. But then from the end of November through to literally the, the, the day we closed on the 23rd of December, the phones were just hopping from the moment that the girls started in the morning to the finish of the evening. So to the extent the that pressure by the time Christmas must came have around, been. they were exhausted. I imagine they must have been. And the poor and the misfortunate people who are making the calls, there's no typical call, I suppose, is there? There isn't really. I mean, look, it's, it's, it's a time here that the people are always under financial pressure. Uh, but that there's added factors this year because you know, we're still in the middle of a pandemic. You had uh, a fear, at least, of a shortage of toys, and so some people were panicking and trying to buy stuff early and probably spending money on gifts for their kids, which you can't blame them for, at the expense of maybe paying for the electricity bill or buying food, and then finding themselves at the end of their tether when there just isn't money to keep the lights on. And stuff now can be so expensive, can't it? And you just don't want to let children down. And it's difficult to sit down and tell a child that you can't get them the Santi toy that they actually want. Absolutely, I think. I mean, we all we all kind of uh, 
express our love for our kids and our, our friends and families and that at Christmas time probably more than we could really afford look we all do it we get over it but if you're working on a, on a stage where you're barely just above the bedline um, that could be a bridge too far you um, called you it know, a tsunami of need you called it wasn't it yes it's, uh, we, we do call it a tsunami of need and I suppose if there's one thing you pick out that's kind of been highlighted over the last few periods it's utility costs whether it's electricity or gas or whatever as you might remember, back during the height of the pandemic, the government very rightly brought in an embargo to prevent any increases in those bills during a, a long period. But those embargoes were all lifted a couple of months back, and at least some of the utility companies have been playing catch-up because there's been fairly substantial Very increases. substantial. You'll have seen them in your own bill. Yeah. Like oh, very mind. substantial, yeah. Uh, and that's, you know, that's going to continue. We would always find in a normal year after Christmas, you know, post-Christmas, that when the bills start coming in, people are under pressure with utilities. But this year, we reckon it's going to be absolutely massive. So do you think you'll have uh, an increase in calls across? Are you, are you experiencing an increase in calls? No, I don't think we'll have an increase in the, the level of calls, but I think we'll probably have an increase in the, the, the typical calls for utility problems. I think they're going to be very significant. Now, and how do you operate... relatively quiet. Yeah. How do you operate in week, situations like that where, say, somebody calls you and asks you, whether well, putting it to bluntly just asks you to pay an ESB bill or a gas bill will, will you just automatically pay that? Well every case obviously is taken on its merits and we would pass it out to our local conferences as, as you know the organisation is kind of based at parish or community That's level right. so yeah. we have a group in virtually every community throughout the country north and south so they will actually typically they would have gone out and visited the person and chatted them and checked the bill and all that kind of stuff nowadays if it's done largely over the phone uh, on some occasions when people have got serious arrears and particularly if they're under threat of disconnection, um, we can get the, the, the person to sign a disclaimer allowing us to advocate on their behalf yeah. and then we can negotiate with the, the utility company. So directly. you actually do that as well? You engage with the utility companies to try and renegotiate payments? No, I suppose it's important to say, Neil, that you know, we, we can't wave a magic wand and just pay everyone's electricity bill. Uh, and our, our goal is, is to, first of all, to help people out of the immediate needs that they have. And that may well be paying a couple of hundred euros off the, the ESB bill. Yeah. But also to work with them to try and become self-sustaining and to help them to manage their funds so that they won't go back into that situation again. Yeah, That's but our sure, if goal. they haven't got enough coming in to meet the outgoings, they're never going to get ahead of it, should they not? Yeah. And that's the reason that, that as, a, as a national society, we've been advocating to government to say, look, you need to look at this. There's a big issue here. It's, it's beyond the, the capacity of, of charities to be doing this at local level all over the country because it's going to be very widespread. Yeah, and you have to wonder if those local organisations like yourselves and others weren't there, um, how much worse it would actually be? Yes, I mean, that's an argument that's often made, you know, that, that very often charities are picking up some of the, the rules that should be done by statutory authorities. And we would hope that the government will, will step up and help out a little bit in that regard. Okay, so we, okay, then you talk about utility bills, but also in the wintertime, you're providing bags of coal or, and also a lot of food, right? Yeah, we do a lot of food. Pre Christmas, we would have distributed over 2,000 food hampers across Cork City and suburbs. And that continues through the year at a lower level. We would probably typically do about 200 to 210 food hampers per week. Uh, quietly distributed to families in need. So if, if if a family does need a little dig out for a short period, what we'd often do is say, look, we'd put them on a hamper list for a period of maybe six or ten weeks to try and help them over the hump. What we don't want is to be giving people stuff permanently because then you develop a dependency. You know, our goal is to, is to work with people to help them to become self-sufficient in as much as is possible. But I understand. The only barometer for us is need. If there's genuine need, we will try and help out 
I suppose it's important to uh, Neil just to acknowledge the fantastic contributions we've got in from the generous Cork public uh, in a very difficult year. They've come up trumps again, you know, yeah. despite the challenges of fundraising. And I know your own team, the Red FM bus, uh, you did a fantastic food right. meal there before yeah. Christmas, yeah. which really went went well, and a lot of good donations came in through that. So we were very thankful for that. Yeah, welcome. You probably also find that people who were able to survive, um, yeah, maybe a couple of years ago are kind of almost like, as we call it, the new poor. You know, there's a completely new section of society now who are also uh, dropping below the poverty line. Very much so, yeah. we found Because rents are going up and everything else yeah. is going up, so they just haven't got enough to juggle. Yeah, and I think that's a, another element that we suspect is probably going to be with us for the next couple of months because not alone have you people, you know, that, that have suffered COVID outbreaks or whatever and have found themselves down income, but unfortunately, there's going to be an awful lot of people in the hospitality and associated businesses that may well not have a job in a month's time because what? they've gone through such a horrendous period. Yeah, I know. What, what about issues like clothing and footwear? Do you do that as well? Or do you give vouchers we, for that? We do help out. We have a network of charity shops under the brand name Vincent's, and we've quite a few of them around the city there, uh, where we, we stock, you know, donated clothing items. Uh, very often we even get designer brands and really good stuff in there. But we sell them at very modest costs. So it means that people who have limited income can, can buy stuff at reasonable cost. Uh, and as well as that, then, it's also the profits from those, those activities are funding other things like the food and the coal and the education support. And you, you've got the, is it the the blue uh, clothing dispenser units and shopping arcades? That's shopping right. Yeah, They're yeah, the ones got, I use, anyway. You're the blue, blue clothing one. bins. Yeah. 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 You'll be encouraging people to do that when they do a clean out after Christmas. Absolutely. We'd encourage people to, to pop down to their local clothes bank. They see the big blue uh, steel clothes banks with the SVP logos. Or alternatively, they can just drop into their, their local Vincent's shop. And they and can drop in a couple of bags of clothes or whatever there. I know. And be very know. grateful to receive Oh, I know, I know. Always grateful for the public's help. And I know today, actually, is it midday today is the deadline for the car draw? That's it. Midday today is ticket sales closed for our car draw. That's so a Ford Focus, I think, is it? It's a Ford Focus, yeah, kindly donated by CAB Motor Company. Uh, this is the eighth year they've supported us, which is fantastic. Sorry, the ninth year. Yeah, yeah. And how, if somebody wanted to buy a ticket for that between now and midday, how can they do it? Uh, they can go They can go online at Galabit dot com forward slash SAP car draw but well, only is, up to 12 mid- midday or they can ring our offices here in Cork City and we could take a credit card uh, donate I know there are I know there are cash prizes as well they can do the credit card or the debit card but how That's much right. is a ticket five or for one ticket or 20 euros for five tickets <laughs> how bad and all of the proceeds are going to the St. Vincent de Paul obviously absolutely all of the proceeds will go to fund all the activities we've been speaking about for the last few minutes okay well listen um, continued uh, success with the work that you do because it is very very important and vital to people who are in need um, and uh, we'll chat again soon Jerry. thanks so much happy new year thanks to you love talking to you and happy new year to you all and all best. your team take care and good luck with the draw midday lads you can search Vincent de Paul online but midday is the cut off point for the car draw it's a five or a ticket or you can get five for 20 euro you'll be helping uh, the V2P lines open on uh, 0818 104 106 you can text 086 8104 let me just go back uh, to my Richard Hyde story from a little earlier on this morning um, and without overly recapping of course the house was destroyed he had plugged in his electric go-kart sorry his electric golf cart 
battery and uh, in the middle of the night it exploded, burnt into flames. They had to flee the house and of course the damage is unbelievable. And um, We were chatting with them earlier on because now they're staying in hotel accommodation in the Radisson and there's, it's, it, the whole thing looks very vague to me with regards to the with regards to the insurance company. But anyway, Jenny McDermott is with uh, Regional Revenue Manager with Inua Hospitality at the Radisson in Little Island. Joins me by phone. Jenny, good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? So you're at the Radisson in Little Island? Yes. Fair yes, play. And yes. you have Richard staying there with his family members, I believe? Yes. Okay, yeah, exactly. okay, okay. Yes, and what's the update yes. now? How can, can you guys help, Jenny? Yes, absolutely. We would be delighted to help. We didn't realise the situation. Um, we weren't aware about it. But now that we are, we were delighted to be able to give a complimentary accommodation as long as they need. I know it's going to take a couple of weeks, possibly, for them to get um, a house, which is what they want. But in the meantime, to take the burden of cost um, for the for the rooms, for the two rooms, we'll take care of that. Okay. Um, that's incredibly kind and generous of you because that wouldn't be cheap. Well, at the moment, we do have um, availability because of low season. And, you know, it would just be, you know, the good thing to do. Ah, that's very kind. I mean, there seems to be a great sense of community down on Little Island in general. Oh, absolutely. We are. We are. It's a good community. Do you know what I mean? We look after everyone. Well, absolutely you do. And uh, Richard, are you there? I am, yeah. I'm just literally coming down the stairs of my room in the Radisson. <laughs> just, in the same building. I mean, that's, that's an amazingly kind, generous offer from the Radisson Hotel. Ah, uh, brilliant, honestly. Absolutely it, brilliant. It, it takes the pressure off you, to the fact that you know that you can stay there in, in, in those rooms for whatever period of time you need. That's perfect, yeah. Honestly, it could be absolutely just what we need, yeah. Well, it certainly isn't a worry for tonight or the weekend or early next week. Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Could be, could be, could be ideal. I okay. think actually, in the meantime, there has been other people in contact, so just have to give them a call back. But yeah, the Radisson is absolutely ideal. Yeah, so, yeah and listen, if something else if house. something else happens in the next few days or week, at least you've got a, ro- a roof over your head at the Radisson until you yeah. get sorted somewhere else. And that's yeah, the way these things usually work. You need to look at the immediate and then the long term. So the immediate is sorted anyway. Absolutely, yeah, that's absolutely brilliant. Okay, okay, that should that should take away some of the stress. <laughs> Great, yeah. I'm going to go up to the reception now and thank, her, thank Jenny. Yeah, go and find Jenny. Jenny, thank you yeah. so much. Absolutely, no problem. Thank you. Well done. Take care of yourself. Much Good obliged. Thanks. Actually, I was down in the Radisson. I don't know when I was down there last. I think it might have been maybe a year, year and a half ago. And I have to say, I had the most incredible chowder that I have ever had. I hope they haven't changed how they make their chowder down there. And I hope it's the same chef that's making it. It was just mind-blowing. It was just terrific. If you're down in the area, check it out. Sometimes chowders can be awfully uh, risky because you have no idea. Like they can come out milky or watery or too much cream, too little fish. This thing was just a bowl of fish and the most beautiful, beautiful broth. It was gorgeous. Back after the break. you want to speak to Neil Prenderville in the new year, you'll need the new number 0818-104-106. Please hang up and try again. Cork's Red FM. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now on the new number 0818-104-106. That's uh, guys, to clear up uh, an issue regarding Ryanair and uh, Aer Lingus as to whether or not you could bring in or get on a flight with a driving license or you did need a passport, whoever the case may be. Um, and Seamus just did a little bit of work on that. Somebody was asking me yesterday to do it uh, with regards to passports. So with Ryanair, driving licenses are not acceptable for travel with Ryanair between the UK and Ireland. 
And I'm just letting you know, no exceptions will be made. The travel documents required for domestic flights differ from country to country, uh, but they insist on a valid uh, passport. Okay, so that's the deal there with regards to Ryanair. Aer Lingus um, say differently, though. Uh, so what's acceptable? If you're a citizen of Ireland and or Britain, you need to carry some form of official photo identification in order to be able to fly with Aer Lingus. The photo identification that's acceptable is quite it's quite wide in range actually with regards to what Aer Lingus will take. They will take the valid passport or the passport card. They'll take a driver's license with a photo. They'll take an international student card. They'll take government issued photo ID cards. They'll take health insurance cards with a photograph on them. They'll take a bus pass with a photo on them. They'll take a work ID with a photo on them. <laughs> so they'll take anything with a photo on them. So I hope that clears it up. Very different, the difference what uh, uh, airlines will take between Ryanair and Aer Lingus. Lines open. You can text 0868104106. I also want to check back in, as it's important to do, because we chatted with Con Ruxton, because he had all of the Christmas lights on, of course, and the other side, the earlier side of Christmas, raising as much money as he could, and he does it year in, year out. It's important to check in how things got, how things went, and how much was raised. So, happy New Year to you, Con. And many happy returns, Neil. How are we? How doing? was? I'm very well. How was the Christmas for the family? How much money did you make? Nice and quiet. Uh, the total number was two thousand and twenty euro. How does that stack up? It stacked up where we were slightly up than last year. Isn't it? that amazing? That's fantastic. And it's very grateful to the people that uh, donating us. That's brilliant, isn't it? Considering everything, all things considered, you know, to be up on last year. Yeah, oh, it's unbelievable, unbelievable. That yeah, so we are and We are thrilled to be able to turn around and say, "If any dinner." We have another little check coming for you. A as little well check, forget about well, it. Nearly two, two and a half grand. I heard the Harp Bar took all the change, did they? In fairness to Emer, she <laughs> took all the small change off me and changed it in. That, that we had no problems of changing the money this year. I <laughs> thanks for the God. They gave you and notes. It's very for good for all of They gave you notes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you be, when will you be passing the money over to Katrina then? Well, hopefully, no. We'll be passing it in within the next three or four days tour. Possibly by next Monday. Isn't that we'll unbelievable? Are all the lights still up, Con? Or have you taken they, them down? They were up till last night. Well, they're still up at the moment. Well, it's a bit wet now to be taking them down. So we're going to have to wait. And just my son now, Jason, will come in and take them all down for us. Oh, and my God. Put them away. And um, we'll have to go out the lawnmower to cut the grass. I know, the yeah. Pack them away <laughs> safely for another year. Clean up the garden. That's the way. We took down the we took down the real tree yesterday and the lights and everything and dragged it out of the house. But the macchia tree is still up until maybe <laughs> Sunday night. We we'll take that one. Yeah, ah, oh, it is great light, but it's uh, it's pretty light the way things are going with the way uh, with this COVID and everything that's going on at the moment. Well, it didn't stop but people's we're generosity. We're to the people that are the calling to, to put in money into the bucket and to say thank you to everybody in Cork City again for doing what they're doing. You're outstanding. Well done, Con. You're a wonderful man, the entire family. And tell me, did you have a good Christmas? Very quiet now. We lost a great friend of ours there in November, Elizabeth. And her sister was died a week later then oh, from COVID as well, unfortunately. Oh, dear, dear, dear. dear. We were together for over 25 years and um, it was very sad to have another practically member of the family gone again belong to us. I know. Okay, well, our thoughts are with your loved ones yeah. and you and all that you do. Listen, it's great to catch up with you. Have a great 2022. 
nice auntie, Neil, yeah. Aunt every all the things, all the work you do there for for all the charities in Cork City and around the place. You do great work. And, and I tell you, like you should be commended for it. 2,200 euro to Katrina Toomey and Penny Nairs. It must make you feel very good, in fairness to you. Oh, it's done. We're thrilled to be able to hand that type of money over again this year. We'll chat. Them. We'll chat again. Look after yourself, Con, all right? Thank you very much for ringing us. Thank you. Take care, Bye-bye. pal. The great Con Roxton. €2,200 for Katrina Toomey and Penny Dinners. And the very best of luck to them all. Lines are open on 0818104106. You're probably uh, watching Operation Transformation. Of course, it started this week and will run for, I think, like eight weeks or so. And you can actually pick one of, any one of the participants and follow uh, their fitness, their nutrition, and follow their diets and follow their foods. But we have a big cork interest in this, of course, this year, Operation Transformation. And that's Kathleen Hurley Mullins from Carrig Navarre. Although I believe she originally is a, a y'all girl and uh, probably fell in love and moved to Carrig Navarre. She joins me by the phone. Kathleen, Kathleen, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Great to catch up. What's it like to be so famous? Oh, I don't know. Am I famous now or not? But. Um I'm enjoying. I'm enjoying the media attention at the moment. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And you're getting an awful lot of it. Uh, quite a bit. Quite. Yeah. A Does bit, that come so. as a surprise? Actually, did you expect that? Um, I suppose I. Uh, I did in a way, I suppose. But um, it's when it happens, then you're kind of there. Oh, I'm exercising. I'm dieting, and I'm on social media as well. You know, and you're kind of oh, oh, and on media. So how is, how does it how does it work? I mean, how is, is this happening live, or is the whole thing recorded, finished, and packaged, or what? Oh no, no, this is happening live. Um, it's just a slight delay of a day or two. Do you know, um, we we have our weigh-ins, and then they do their, all their editing and everything, and then you're watching the show after that. And are you up and down, say, from the likes of Carrig Navarre to Dublin, or do you have people visiting you? You obviously must have some sort of a film crew with you a lot of the time. I do. I have a lovely cameraman, Connor, uh, who's down with me nearly all the time, and he's videoing in Yall and in Carrig Navarre and above Watergrass Hill and in Glenmire and wherever I am that day. So, so you, have no, you have no privacy as such for the coming weeks? Oh, you've plenty of privacy as well. Like, they're only doing a few hours every day, you know? Yeah, yeah. Which, um, other than that, you've got great privacy. There's no issue there. So it's been fantastic, actually, so far. Why did you put yourself and forward for this? Because it is so public. Well, it is so public, and it's fantastic, really, to get the opportunity, because when you put in your application, it's a quite a long process, and there's, you know, you, you should be monitored constantly. You're going through different stages of application, and to be picked is a huge honour. And I put myself forward because I suppose I was somebody who always watched the show. I always had great interest. I suppose usually when I'm sitting down watching it, I'm having a, a few of the, the roses left over and a glass of wine. <laughs> and, uh, so you never participated like, along with any of the participants in the past, no? No, I didn't, I must admit. I was never kind of organised enough to do it. And now I wonder why after seeing how simple and easy it is to do, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, then this year, I just decided after everything I had been through, I don't know if you watched the programme on Wednesday Yes, I did. I did watch it. I did. And I know of the very sad, tragic loss of your sister back yes. in December 2020. Oh, my God. that Was so, Was that ovarian cancer? Ovarian cancer started us, And then, unfortunately, because of mis- un- undiagnosed, oh, for in that, they call it the silent killer. So I suppose... You know, nobody would have known. And uh, unfortunately, it had spread all over her body. And uh, 
she died 10 days after diagnosis. Oh, my God. Heartbreaking. So that was kind of a point for my family that we kind of said, OK, you know, this has hit us really hard. Very hard, because it was only 10 days from diagnosis to when she passed away. Yeah, 10 days from diagnosis. Susan was a very healthy, um, very active 62-year-old woman who I would honestly say was uh, always the first one to encourage everybody to get checked for everything. She herself, she would have been great to, I suppose, take a lot of alternative therapies and remedies and would have been very healthy as far as we knew. And next thing, complained of pain in her hip and that would have been early November. I know because it was my birthday, I was down with my parents because you must remember all of this was during lockdown. So every time I even went in to see my family, I was wearing a mask, you know. And we called down to the house and I was looking at her and I said, what's wrong with you? And she said, I have a terrible pain in my hip. And I kind of said, God, you know, pain in your hip. And, you know, you just kind of brush things off and you think your own aches and pains. You think, oh, it couldn't be as bad as I have myself, do you know? I know. Yeah, I know. And people do that. And yeah, look, I'd automatically be thinking, well, you know, maybe it's just a bit of wear and tear. You might need a hip replacement yeah. in a few years. Most, yeah, I know. Yeah, most people actually put down to kind of being sciatica or one of these things, know, you know? I know, but it wasn't. And Or muscular, definitely muscular. And time moved on anyway and I remember saying to Noreen inside the salon because I have a beauty salon. You have a beauty, you know, you're a beautician of course, salon yeah. owner, yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And there's three of us working there and I remember saying to Noreen, how's Susan? And she said, you know what, she said, she is actually getting worse. She said, that leg is getting worse. And I said, God, you know, did she get on to anybody? And she said, yeah, she must, she must. Next thing anyway, we knew she had contacted the GP. They were organising for x-rays and scans and things. And unfortunately, before all of that kicked in, on the 17th of December, when my mum went in to call her, she'd had a seizure. An ambulance arrived on. And our hell began. Hell began. And three days later then, was it? Well, on the 17th of uh, December, she went in. Um, My parents were called that night. Um, My father and my sister Noreen went up. The doctors said that Susan has cancer all over her body and she only has a few days left to live. At this stage, I think, you know, you kind of think maybe they've misdiagnosed. Maybe this isn't it. She'll be fine. She'll pull through, you know. But unfortunately, on the 19th of December, we closed the salon. Um, We just had to contact all of the Christmas customers and we all isolated ourselves. And we stayed with her all the time, day and night, for those 10 days. Did you chat? Did you chat a lot? Oh, we chatted an awful lot. Now, Susan had quite a considerable amount of brain damage at that stage from the seizure. But like, she spent 10 days fighting to live and we knew she was dying you know so that's tough that is tough in the family so I said after that I wanted to make people aware of how silent ovarian cancer actually is I'm getting a completely different perspective now of you and your life and your participation in this show because here I am talking about Operation Transformation but we're actually doing something completely different right now and that is awareness so so your place now in media is really important going forward well, this is it, and that's the reason I'm here. You Amazing. Know? Because you yourself then were assessed for, for ovarian cancer, weren't you? Then, yeah, we were. I contacted my own GP, fantastic lady here in Glenmire, and um, she put me forward, and I had an ultrasound done, and 
unfortunately she came back and she said that there is an issue and before I knew it I was on the operating table on the 12th of May or the 19th of May sorry and um, I had both ovaries and a large dermoid cyst removed but thank god that was benign yeah that was benign as I found out a couple of weeks later and my poor daughter I felt so sorry for because she was studying for her leaving search I heard you on early on about the leaving search yeah yeah. And she sat all her leaving search and like she was trying to mind me and study for her leaving search at the same time, you know? My God. But, and she lost her aunt as well. But, you know, we muddled through and I just thought, how could I lose weight? Because when you're put into a surgical menopause, which is what happened to me next, your body starts to thicken up a lot. Could you explain that to me, what you mean by put in? I know it was menopause. Well, you said you were... Okay, you have your normal menopause and everybody's going to go through some form of menopause. Some women claim to go through nothing. Others are distraught from it. Yes. But when you have a surgical menopause, when your ovaries are removed, automatically you hit menopause. And literally within two weeks of my surgery, I hit menopause. And, and that was, was quite was... noticeable to you, was it? Oh, very noticeable. I hadn't even been perimenopausal. And all of a sudden, I had night sweats. I had, oh goodness, during the day, hot flushes. I was aggravated. I was upset. I didn't know why, you know. Frustrated. Brain fog. Brain fog, all of the above. And I started taking, I suppose, a supplement then. And it kind of takes a few months to kick in. And since I've done that now, things have improved a lot for me. HRT? No, nothing like that? Anything like that? Pardon? HRT? HRT? No. Not at the moment because of Susan's dying of ovarian. Yeah. Okay. Okay. What a year. What a couple of years you've had. Oh, well, this is it. But then I decided that I was putting on the weight even more. I was thickening out in myself and finding even if I went for walks and everything, too tired, exhausted... Uh, comfort eating, stressed, saw the application had come up again for OT and I went for it. Because they'll deal with an awful lot more than just weight loss, won't they? Oh, Clearly they will do it with diet and fitness, but aspect. there's psychologists involved as well, isn't there? Oh yeah. yeah, weight loss is one aspect of the show. There's an awful lot more in it. It's really making people aware of their own health, you know? Yeah. A health issues that they might come up against. It's, it's incredible for doing that. Yeah. Weight yeah. is one part... But you're dealing with an overall person. So you're dealing with every aspect of the individual. Yeah, yeah. Do you know the other, I mean, do you know the other participants in it? Do you have spent any time? There's, a, there's, a, very, there's a very funny, interesting guy. He's the truck driver. I can't remember his oh, name. fantastic. John. <laughs> <laughs> John is brilliant. <laughs> he's Tommy the kind Dillon, of guy. I think, yeah, he's want to watch out. Who? <laughs> Tommy Dillon in Fair City would want to watch out. <laughs> he's very yeah. good, isn't he? He's the kind of guy you'd love to sit down with with a cup of tea and just chat. <laughs> Oh, he's brilliant. They're, except, they're all fantastic. Except in the past, he'd go through a couple of packets of biscuits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and how, how are you finding the food change, change now? They're giving you a very, very strict plan. Well, the plan actually, it's the strange thing about it is, is that when I went out and bought the shopping, the first surprise I got is it wasn't that expensive. The next surprise that I got when I was preparing, I thought, oh God, it's going to take ages to cook. <laughs> it didn't take that long at all. And then when I sat down to eat, I said, do I have enough at all on my plate? Yeah. Because I wasn't a good woman to finish a plate, though, yeah. I must admit. Yeah. And um, when I sat down to eat, I was there, good God, I said, I'm actually full after this, you know. 
they put an awful lot more vegetables. I would always have said that I was very good to put vegetables on a plate. But when I see what they're putting on a plate, no, I'm shocking. Absolutely shocking. But do you, I mean, because your background, of course, is you're a beautician, obviously, and a mother and a wife and a salon owner. But you're also in yeah. farming, aren't you? I'm also in farming with my husband, Tony, and my two children. Yeah. No way. So are you physically I, uh, involved in the farm? Oh, yeah. I'm at cows and everything. You know, I am. Um, <laughs> oh, well, you see, I would consider that kind of a, a normal progression living on a farm. I would always be involved in whatever, you know, would be going on. <laughs> because I suppose I grew up on a farm, so it's part and parcel, you know. Yeah. So it's all like, were you a junk eater then in the past or were you a grazer? No, I'm, well, I would describe myself actually as both because <laughs> I, I suppose I junk ish, I kind of grazed junk foods, do you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah while yeah. I'd be preparing the dinner, I might have a, a quick bar of chocolate or something, you know? Why'd you do uh, that? I mean, did I, you not realise that, you know, that kind of way would lead to weight gain or? Oh, yeah, but sure, you don't think of it at the time, but you just kind of think, I'm hungry now while I'm making this, I know. you know? Yeah, I know. Whereas, I suppose at home, my mother would always have encouraged me to drink a lot of water, you know? Yeah. Been, you know, just drink water, you'll be fine. Wait, you know? <laughs> Whereas, when you're out on your own, then you kind of do what you want, don't you? And your mother was right, incidentally, and my we all should. Right. I know, I know, I know. They're always right. And is it like, you know, because I've been watching the first episode and I've been following it on social media as well because I knew I'd be chatting with it. There's a lot of criticism of the show. There is, but no matter what you do in life, you'll get criticism. Not you know? of you, but just the actual reason that it's ever on the television in the first place. Oh, yeah, but sure. You know, I suppose a lot of people like to look at negative parts, but, uh, you know, I'm here to speak about all the positivity of it. I, I don't see any negativity in encouraging people to live a healthier life. I've never, I've never seen anyone. I would never turn around and say to somebody, oh, don't eat healthy, you know. Oh, I know. I understand what you're saying, but they they do say that a lot of those that participate in the show year in year out, unfortunately, revert back to their old habits. You're you're absolutely one hundred percent convinced you won't. Well, I'm one hundred percent convinced at the moment I won't. Anyway, speak to me in twelve months and we'll find out. <laughs> you know, listen. That's the easy answer to that. I know. I know. We just got to keep doing what they're telling you to do. Really, it may sound simple, but that's what it's all about, isn't it? Just follow yeah, it's not even what they're telling you to do. It's what you can, you actually develop and see for yourself True. after a while. True, You know? Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, their guidelines, it's up to you then to do what you want to do yourself. And it's so important to eat healthy nowadays. And it's very important for generations coming up that they see that we're eating healthy now. I know what you're saying. Is it too early yeah. to see any improvements? Oh, I think I have improvements already. Oh, wait, like what? <laughs> I, I definitely have a lot more energy. Cool. Um, and the first few days when I was out walking, I thought, oh, my God, I'm not able for this at all. And after a while, I'm starting to see I have more energy. Um, this thing from couch to 5K, oh, I thought I'd never be able for that. And now I find that the aches and pains that I had myself are really starting to ease out. And I have more stretch in my legs and everything, you know. Oh my God, isn't I, it amazing? I really see the, the health benefits of the it. The initial benefits in a number of... Because yeah, we're only talking days, aren't we? Well, yeah, only talking days. And like, even during the day now, I wouldn't get as tired. Before I was a great woman, I'd actually feel like sleeping at three o'clock in the afternoon. I, I got that tired. But I could understand why, because if you have a full-time job, rearing children and also actively working on the farm, I mean, I'm just exhausted even thinking about it. 
<laughs> I know. I've been doing that for a very long time, though. <laughs> Listen, lose the weight, but don't lose your sense of humor anyway, that's for sure. That's definitely the main thing. <laughs> okay, so we need Cork to get behind you. You're in there. You're the Cork artist- participant. We need to support you. Yes. Uh, we have a walk, though, in Yall on our fantastic boardwalk, um, which is starting on the 16th of January. At, I think it's around 11 or 12. I'd actually have to check the time on that. And we want to see everybody out walking, everybody getting fit and getting healthy and happy and starting a new regime. Yeah, because with that weight loss, you're describing a gain in energy and you're also feeling better about yourself. You're probably in, sure. a, in, in much better form, look at life differently, and that's only going to increase. Yeah, and what I have great belief in is if my body feels strong, I feel strong. Besides weight gain, weight loss, if I feel strong, I behave in a strong manner. Yeah, you know? okay, okay. Listen, well done on the intro, well done on the first show. Good luck in eight weeks, is it? Eight weeks long. All right, okay. Well, I'm sure you'll enjoy every, I'm sure you'll enjoy every single minute of it. <laughs> oh, I'll, I'm sure I will, like her and all. <laughs> <laughs> Kathleen, it's lovely chatting with you. We'll keep a close eye on you. Thanks for taking the call. Thank you very much, Neil. Bye. Bye. Kathleen Hurley Mullins and Carrick Navarre um, and also splitting her time a lot back home in Yall. Lines open on one eight fifty. Sir, I've done it again. Uh, very soon I'll stop doing it. 0818 106. I'll do some free food Friday, Friday shout-outs after these. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Okay, free food Friday shout-outs for KGW Motors in Middleton. To everybody at All Round Beauty in Mayfield who'd love pizza. The book station in Douglas as well. To everybody at Little Learners Childcare in Cove. To Custom Wear in Douglas getting back into the swing of things and would love a treat. To all the staff working at Clona Dairies in Wilton. To Quiva. Uh, to Mar- Margot and all the members of staff of the Republic of Work on the South Mall. Margot turned 50 over Christmas, so pizza lunch would be a nice way to celebrate. And just a shout out for a family who are working from home. Everybody in Drumahan. It was my 40th birthday yesterday, so it would be a fab treat. Don't know who you are, but there's a, an unnamed shout out for you nonetheless. Euro Car Parks and Ducloyne are listening. Everybody working from UC, for UCC from home, including Moira and Kira. For everybody at Little Island Dental Surgery, AP Vaughan Recycling and Tower. Uh, pizza please to my son Aaron, working who'll soon be hitting his second anniversary of working from home. For all of the gang at Twilight News on Patrick Street, Paul Street and the bus station. Uh, one or two more. Uh, myself and all of the drivers and office staff at Sri Lawn Oil in Kildare, who are keeping the Cork people warm through the winter. They'd love some pizza. And then one or two more for everybody at Kinsale Road Accommodation Centre would also love some pizza. And Stephen from Erin Road Aaron was in touch from Kent. One of our drivers is retiring today after 49 years. His last journey is the 11 o'clock Houston to Cork rail uh, train. He would, uh, it would be great to have pizza for him and his colleagues to celebrate when he gets back to Cork. Uh, congrats to our driver Tom Ryan they're talking about on a fantastic career within Irish Rail. Uh, so thank you for that Stephen. I appreciate that text. So there's some shout outs for you. We'll do another bunch of shout outs again uh, run about 20 past 11 and then hopefully pick a winner run about 20 to midday. So that'll feed 15 of you courtesy of ourselves and Oak Fire Pizza um, and we'll pick out a winner then and to get it sorted. You'll get vouchers so you can go and pick them up at um, a location that suits you. Do you remember yesterday we were asking a question online with regards to a Twitter poll did you send your kids back to school yesterday morning? I wanted to give that Twitter poll 24 hours and it's passed now. So over 500 people responded to that. And it's interesting because the numbers in response kind of um, actually 
uh, tally with the number of kids that didn't go back. What I mean by that is the question was, did you send your kids back to school? 70% of people said yes. 30% of people said no. Uh, And that probably tallies with the amount of, you know, families that didn't send a child back to primary or secondary school. 30%. So thank you for that. Morning, you need to try the chowder in the Long Valley. It's superb, says Sean. I've had a great run, actually, of local food in the last week or so. I really and truly had. I, I was in the Long Valley over the Christmas period because we always go in, particularly at Christmas. But I like to go for the sandwiches. I almost went for the turkey and ham lunch. I didn't have the chowder there, but I will next time. But I know they do a superb stew. I think it's a lamb stew loaded with vegetables and properly in a big bowl at the Long Valley. And that's absolutely incredible. But I had a great curry down in Eco. I just love the food in Eco uh, last week. It's just so worth it uh, to go in for it. And then um, last night, it was a wonderful thing actually last night. We walked from Douglas over to uh, the Leaping Salmon at tea time, just the three of us. Um, and had fabulous food in there. It's absolutely great. So well done to Bunty and to to Bo and all of the staff there. Um, and they're doing all the right things there food-wise. They've got great pizzas in there. They do wonderful fish and all sorts of great tapas and things. There's a great standard of food on Lee's side at the moment. There really is. Um, with regards to your man who couldn't get a van, he should get in touch with Europe Car. They supply replacement vans for Renault. He says, I work for Europe Car. We always supply the vans. They should be, and they should be paying for it if the van is under warranty. Uh, we have to charge the customer through, though, if Renault won't pay for it. Yeah, that's the problem. I mean, he could pay for it himself, but when it's under warranty, you would think that he'd get a van replacement. Hey, it's Kira. Tune in to Saturday Breakfast on Red FM from 7 a.m. and wake up your weekend with music, chats, and all that's happening in Cork. That's Saturday Breakfast on Red FM with me, Kira Revens. New year, new number for Neil. 0818-104-106. Last opportunity now to scoop yourself a pizza that'll feed up to 15 of you, courtesy of yourselves, an Oak Fire Pizza. And you can have pizza delivered anytime at home or in the workplace with Oak Fire Pizza from Clonakilty, Bandon, Princess Street, Gillabby Street and Douglas Village. So for the last time, text who you are and where you are to 868 106 We'll do another blast of shout-outs in about 20 minutes' time there, thereabouts. It'll feed 15 of you. It's the big, large, six large pizzas with the garlic breads, the uh, potatoes, the drinks, the dips, and the desserts. So 15 of you, courtesy of ourselves, and Oak Fire Pizza. So get texting on that, who you are and where you are, to 868 104-106. We were talking about Operation Transformation, and I know that we posed that question online overnight. Indeed, RSVP Live were doing something recently as well, after the first episode, I think Wednesday night. It was interesting, the reaction, uh, at least those that got involved in the conversation, what they had to say. Sandra said, um, Operation Transformation, I see nothing wrong with it. If people don't like it, then don't watch it. It's not just about a number on the scales, it's about a lot of things. It's about life, things that have happened in people's lives. And it's very brave of these people to share their stories. It's sad to hear about the things that have happened and their stories, but it's getting people together across the country, walking, talking, supporting each other. The best of luck to each and every one of them. Mind you, Sue says, I just can't watch it as I feel it's so wrong to weigh people in the clothes they weigh them in. Uh, if it's uh, too much or actually too little, um, when, especially when Catherine Thomas and the panel are all dressed up to the nines. Carmel says, an exercise and diet program would be better to watch. I don't like them in the lycra tops and the shorts. They should have done away with that part of it anyway. Um, Jackie calls it, um, she says it should be axed. It's degrading and it's cheap television. And I can't believe others are saying that our taxpayers' money go towards 
building and producing and making it. That's the selection. Your thoughts are welcome to text 0868 Talking on, on matters to do with food, incidentally. Um, Seamus came across uh, an interesting article there re- recently. I think it might have been on Reddit. It's a Cork story uh, where a Cork woman who ordered a meal from her favourite restaurant last weekend as a treat before she went back to work. She's alleging that the driver ate the food. She said, I ordered food as a back-to-work treat. The guy pulled up, sat in the car, my husband got up and opened the door, and your man drove off. I was absolutely starving. She reported it to the delivery company, got a refund, but the restaurant had closed when she tried to reorder her treat. So it was a big response to that from other people then, detailing their own experiences with food delivery companies. And she's not the only one who's had something like this happen. I mean, why would your man, like, did he get lost or did he think it was outside the wrong door or did he deliver it somewhere else? Because that can happen sometimes. Or did he actually eat it uh, himself? Like... Apparently, people claim that that happens. There's a lot of texts on it, actually. We ordered about five times one company. They never, ever showed up. We kept getting refunds, but no food. And then everywhere else is closed down at that stage. They always say that they're outside waiting or something like that, but it's BS. Uh, Somebody said, I've had about 200 plus food deliveries over the past year or two, and not one was eaten by the driver or not delivered. I must be the one with amazing luck. Um, I had a similar experience recently on the app. It said the food was delivered to me with a message from the driver saying they left it by the main gate. The food was nowhere to be found. We ended up only getting a refund. We were angry and hangry at that stage. Somebody else says, I drive for a food delivery agency. This seems to be pretty common, or so I'm told by a lot of people working in restaurants. It can vary from agency to agency. Like one has zero tolerance for this type of thing but others don't. Um, it's, it's happening? Has it happened to you? It certainly has happened to Michael. Michael, good morning. Hi, good morning, Neil. Okay, so what happened? Um, well, to be honest, like I, I, it's, I wouldn't really call it a common problem. It just, um, it just happens every now and again. Like, I've only had two, two occasions where um, the delivery driver drove near my house and just marked it as delivered and just... Um, no, never knocking on the door. And how do you know uh, that? Can you tell? Yeah, you can see on the app. It just says your order has been delivered. Um, <laughs> the driver or or whatever. Um, and yeah, what? that only happened on two occasions. But two two is enough, like for it to happen. Well, yeah, and then there was well, there was one other occasion which was very recently where I got. Um, I basically just got like a a drink and um, like one portion of food from uh, some shop. I think um, it was a Lucasade and a breakfast roll, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. About 11 and, o'clock um, in the morning. Yeah, yeah. And, um, like, the driver showed up and he just gave me a paper bag with just the Lucasade in it. And, like, there's no way that they would have handed that, um, that bag to the driver. And, like, before he left town as well, he was sitting there on, on the map. Because, like, you can see where the driver is on the map. And he was just sitting in town for about uh, 10 minutes before he started moving. So, Do you, you know. think he was eating the <laughs> breakfast roll? I, I, he had to then. Like, you know, he had to then. <laughs> really? <you know? laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was, I was annoyed. Like, but you know, it wasn't, it wasn't the worst because I got another one for free, uh, minus paying for uh, like a second delivery charge. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, is it, does it pay that bad that the poor misfortunes have to eat the food they're supposed to be delivering? Um, I don't know. To be honest, I'd say it, like. 
it, it just depends on the person doing it. Like they just don't care. Like, but like in saying that, like the vast majority um, of the drivers, um, you know, would never do that. And I would say they're just honest workers. Yeah. But, yeah. And then there's a, a very small minority who would give them a bad rap. Um, I've had a couple of other friends who've had bad experiences as well, similar experiences as myself. Like what? Like what have they told you? Uh, like marking is delivered and just, you know, just never arrived. Did somebody uh, else maybe get it? Because there's so many houses and estates now. It must be, conf- is it, are they just confused? Leaving, well, or do they leave it at the door or do they knock the bell or ring the door or whatever? Um, no, they just, they just wouldn't show up. Like I was talking to a friend literally about 10 minutes ago. I was telling him that I was um, calling on your show to talk to you about Deliveroo. And he was saying that... Um, the driver that he had um, a couple of a couple of weeks back, um, he basically just like he the driver called my friend about five or six times trying to figure out the directions to the house. Yeah, and the the driver's English wasn't great, um, and eventually he just gave up and just marked out delivered. <laughs> just <laughs> you know, and that that was it. Like so, um, but I think I think it's um, it's um, it's a problem that could be solved pretty easily like they had a system a couple of weeks back where if you when a driver showed up at your door he would have to enter two digits that only you knew so that would be like a confirmation like from the app you would have two digits and you'd give it to the driver yeah and um, that would be like confirmation that you received the food and that everything was there pretty much but then they scrapped that after a few weeks so I'm not really sure why but um, yeah I, I feel like um, do you get a lot of stuff delivered? Um, not a lot. I'd say like twice a week. Yeah. To me, that would be a, f- a fair amount. I mean, do you not find that it's always cold? Um, or does that bother you, cold food? Yeah, I would, yeah, definitely. 100%. Do you ever, um, get, do you I, ever get McDonald's, for instance, um, where the fries are a lot of the time frozen? Uh, well, I'd never get like McDonald's or anything like that. I usually get the like two or three of the same places. And um, then there's another. Okay, so there's another issue then where it's not a complete order; it can be the wrong order. Or you're left short. Does that ever happen? Yeah, it does. Yeah, but um, again, like it's not. Um, I wouldn't say it's exactly common, but um, that's you just know, the it's, chance it's, you take. But, but, yeah, but, and like you know, it's 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 different with food compared to you know, going to town and going to a shop and buying something where you can go back and get a refund because with food, like, you're, you know, you're hungry. Um, oh, my God, if it's late at night, for instance, and you're getting a late order and it's wrong or doesn't arrive, that's a head wreck. Yeah, exactly. You're going to be a lot more emotionally invested into... <laughs> emotionally invested um, is one way of putting you, <laughs> Yeah, you would, like, but um, <laughs> with, with food as opposed to any other item that you buy, like... Um, and yeah, so and I, and I think like just with like with the driver who like, I, I think he obviously ate my breakfast roll. <laughs> driver who ate my breakfast <laughs> roll. <laughs> <laughs> I hope he enjoyed it, says you. I, yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, I mean, yeah. I won't ask you why you're ordering a Lucas ate in a breakfast roll at eleven o'clock in the morning. Was it a hangover? <laughs> so it sounds like yeah. hangover food to me. It was. <laughs> <laughs> it oh no! Oh, so there was added pain. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Add, good, added added fury. Added fury. Listen, have a good weekend. <laughs> have you an order in for the weekend? Uh, probably not. I'm kind of. <laughs>
Just staying away from recently, like, to be fair. All right, my man. Well, listen, have a great weekend. Thanks for coming on here. Appreciate it. Saoirse, good morning. Hi, how are you? Okay, you're up in Galway, are you? That's right, yeah. Well, you say it's happening across the country. Like, what, you used to work in, in Takeaway, did you? Yeah, so when I, I used to work in a restaurant and I went to help them. No, it's not a great phone line. Say that again. Sorry, no. Uh, can you hear me now? Yeah, I'll try. Go ahead. So, um, I, I used to work in a restaurant that had a turn into a takeaway when uh, the pandemic hit. Yeah. I only left there maybe like six months ago, but for a vast majority, like maybe a year, year and a half, we were pretty much takeaway restaurant. And because so many places shut down, like it was mental all the time. Yeah. And like, you know, people would, it was, like for me, it used to happen regular enough. People would be ringing us. Uh, I, I kind of noticed it was around close to because restaurants knew that, like, or, sorry, drivers knew that, like, if they did, like, you know, take food or whatever, the restaurant would be closed, wouldn't answer the phone, and people were just going to have to deal with it and move on or whatever. Because, um, like, the delivery helpline, they, they like, I think their call centres can be in, like, Malaysia and stuff. Yeah. So people would be, like, ringing us, giving out, you know, where they're like, well, I'm sorry, like, our end was... You know, like we we, we sent it out. Yeah, I'm like, well, I'm sorry. Like, I packed up the order there about 20 minutes ago. I'll call the driver. For the driver doesn't answer. I call back the customer, and they're kind of like, you know, like, what do I do? Like, you know, and some of and are they looking like, at something on an app to show where the the driver, or the cyclist, or the guy on the bike is? Yeah. So, th- like, same same as like, you know, you can look on delivery and you can see where your order is. Um, when they mark it delivered and it's not there, they haven't made any attempt to call you or anything, you kind of know that there's something going on. Like when they'd ring you up or whatever and they're like, where is your house? They can't find it or whatever. And sometimes you just do get frustrated if it's like an apartment or that kind of thing. But some of them do. You can just tell they haven't put any effort in. Like, so if they haven't be, delivered it, right? And let's say they are struggling to find a place. You're saying that sometimes they might just give up. Well, they'd like give you a ring, like, well, where's the house? Can you come down and meet me in a certain yeah, place? Yeah, and that's like, good of them to do that. So, and maybe yeah. that, that, that solves the problem a lot of the time. Yeah. But, yeah, but so, because I'm thinking if they can't find a place, can they call the person who's waiting on the food? Yeah, yeah, there's like, there's like a, so your number is like encrypted, but then they can, they, they can ring, like, you know. But okay. Just, but you were getting you know. calls from customers who didn't get yeah. a phone call, just got no food. Yeah, they'd be kind of like, um, has my food left the restaurant? What's going on? Because to be fair, sometimes it can be the fault of the restaurant. And sometimes I could be like, well, I've seen that he left here about 10, 15 minutes ago. I'd all the food packed up. It should be with you, you know, whatever. Some, well, the majority of them take two orders at a time. Yeah. So they could go anywhere, you know, they could go one end of the city to the other. Usually they try to group them together and stuff. But if it's a slow day, like one would go, you know, it could be 20 kilometers apart or whatever. So that was just, and would they be doing 20 kilometres apart on a push bike or is it a motorbike or are they in their own well, car or what? So like the system will like provide like cyclists but like closer destinations, you know. Um, usually people who have cars, they'll be given the ones that are way out in, you know, the other side of the city. Um, so but people, you know, on a slow day, like cyclists might want to go. I've seen them cycle out, you know, out to the outskirts of Galway, like. Oh, yeah, because I want to be fair to those drivers, whether they're in cars or on bikes, because it's a hard job and it doesn't pay well. So I'd only be doing them a disservice. Oh, like the, it's it totally just comes down to the, the lads that are sound and the the, the the few that just 
it's just you can tell they don't like the job and they don't care about it. Like you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, okay. Even when I, even when I was working in takeaway, I still I still wanted people to have a good service. Like I didn't want didn't want anyone to be because I, I know I wouldn't want it to happen to me. I ordered something and I want you know I wanted to get like nectar and things. So. No, I know. And to, do, but do you, you, you can tell like you know some people just don't they don't really care. And about what that do, kind do of you stuff. think? What do you think happens with the food? Do you think it's eaten or just thrown away so, or given to the wrong person or what? So yeah, that is it'll be like a mix of a lot of things. Like sometimes it's delivered to the wrong house, or sometimes the driver. You can just tell, like if the driver rang you and actually tried to attempt to deliver to you, you can tell that they actually they did just make a mistake or whatever. Um, but so when they just when it says delivered and then there's no communication yes. or nothing like that, you you kind of have a fair idea that yeah, they they probably just took it on you. And you you um, have evidence of that happening, delivered where it never was. That's kind of like what you, the conclusion you'd come to, like you know, and um, you wouldn't have any evidence. That's the thing, and like that's that's why it kind of happens. Like I think all drivers know that they can, but some of them, well, like most of them, choose not to because it's just not the sound thing to do. But it's it's is it, I think the reason that it continues is because delivery can't really prove it, so they can't fire anyone. Um, they've I've actually never known anyone to be fired. Like um, like other like local delivery services and stuff. You'd never hear a whiff of that kind of stuff. I know, yeah, I know. They'd be be early. They wouldn't do any of this kind of like taking two orders at a time kind of thing. They'd they'd go straight to the house. See, they're desperate to get get the calls in and to get out there because they're desperate to make a few bob. It's hard work. With the big companies, like, you know, but delivery, like, they don't ever seem... I've never really noticed anyone being fired before, like, or... Yeah, I know. I know that they're... What I would say to people is, like, if it is happening, like to ring up the restaurant, tell the restaurant, like give them their order number, whatever. The restaurant can... Oop, lost it, no, unfortunately, but I think we were coming near the end of the conversation anyway. A lot of problems with the phone lines, guys, and I apologise for it. That's Saoirse's experience. Uh, text 0868104106 if you have stories to share in this regard, because you can be damn sure that in the last year or two, uh, deliveries of food to the home has gone through the roof. And I mean, we're evidence of that in my own home, and I'm quite sure that we're no different to many other homes where many people now... Particularly if you got, I think it very much is a younger generation's game to a large extent, you know. But I sometimes, uh, sometimes would pitch in with an order myself, an order myself from time to time. Text 0868104106. Neil's got a new number. Call him now on 0818104106. Paddy Hyde, good morning. Good morning, Neil. I was very much looking forward to my chat with you because there's so many, so much history to your life. I mean, uh, to begin with, you worked with, well, certainly worked with one of the biggest employers on Leaside ever, and that was down in Fords. Then you ended up working out of your own workshop in Sunbeam. And I was reading the Sunbeam article from uh, the Hollybow a few weeks back, a fascinating article about the Dwyers. And it turns out that, first of all, you were there when it burnt down in 03. Was that the case? That's right. Yes. And, and believe you um, called the fire brigade, did you? Yes, well, I'd, I'd say I was probably the first person because I was having my lunch in my workshop and I saw a lot of smoke and uh, straight to the, the phone and dialed 999 and said that there was um, a fire in the front of Sunbeam, which they were fairly quick uh, to come out and... Um, it it spread it rapidly. Yeah, it ripped it, it through. Was, the, it ripped it, through the place, didn't it? It ripped through the place, and I I actually think that there was a problem uh, uh, with supply of water to the fire brigade oh, because 
Um, I don't think, you know, Sunbeam were so old that they, they didn't have um, hydrogen uh, systems around the building. Hydrants, yeah, and before you knew it, it was gone completely. Oh my and did God. you watch it? Did you watch it, Blaze? Did people watch it, Blaze? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, they, sure. I think all the north side of the city stood around up in the hills. Oh, my and, God. An awful. Like know, Sunbeam had fin- had, Sunbeam had been finished by then, wasn't it? Gone since the early 90s, I think. But the units it, were released it, out. It, it, they, no, there was there was a company still in there called Rockborough. Go away, was that? And um, they, they were the owners, actually, of of the building. And... They um, they use manufacture um, different garments, mostly uh, socks. Gotcha. Yeah, but nothing like and the heyday of Sunbeam, way back in the in the hundred years previous when they were employing uh, thousands no, of people, like thousands, no. literally. It's, yeah, it's it's fascinating the story that's on the Holly It's an incredible because, story. Yeah, it is um, brilliantly written. Like uh, the royal family came from Tipperary. And um, they set up a hosiery business in Cork as a company. And um, well, one of the one of the the DeWires, which was William DeWire, mm. he bought in some um, machinery from England. That's right. Yeah. Uh, kind of against the will of the DeWire company that time. And as he said. It, it laid below in the docks in Cork, and they 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 wouldn't entertain it into their company. Mm. And he um he, he he took the machinery over himself, and he uh, he started a business then up in the butter exchange. And went from the butter exchange to Blackpool, yeah, yeah, and on they went to Blackpool. Yeah, yeah. No, um. It all started from there, but the fact that he'd done that, the family called him the black sheep of the family. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And he he made his logo the black sheep. <laughs> <laughs> and the rest was history. Um, yeah. And actually, um, that went on and on. And I think um, at the moment, there's as as they say in the article, um, Euro style making. A lot of golf. Uh, they do, yeah. They're still going. Some of the Dwyers are still in that kind of business, yeah. But you, you, yeah. you know, William Dwyer, Billy Dwyer, the granddad. You, you've come across a fifty kilo in weight plate of his head. Is it? That's right. Yes, it's it's three foot high by um, uh, two foot two foot two wide. Two how foot and how old wide. is it? Do you think? Well. It depends on when they erected this after William DeWire died. Um, it's, it's, um, it's a beautiful place. It's, I, I maintain a, it's a phosphorus bronze. Right. Okay. Um, How did you end up with of, it? How did you end up with it, the head of William well, DeWire? When, when the fire started in uh, Sunbeam, as I said, it was gutted. Crushed. And um, the place was up on the canteen of the old Sunday. Yeah. And I said to the manager of the company, 
that was there that time. Uh, look, should I take this down? Because if I don't take it down, someone will come in and, and take it down. Yeah. You might never see it again. Yeah, yeah. So he said to me, he was the managing director. He said, you have my permission to take it and down. So it I since. took it down. I put it into my workshop. I think I have it six, uh, is it 17 or 18 years now? And you want to pass it on now to Blackpool well, or Sunbeam or Cork Museum or something like that, perhaps? Well, well, yeah, like, I mean, the history, the history of William the Warrior, like, he was one of the biggest employers in Cork at one stage, employing yeah. four and a half to nearly 5,000 people, and he also built the Blackpool Church. Yeah, yeah. So, like, yeah, and on top of yeah. that, Lee Boot, Lee Hosiery, Dwyer's, of course, Sunbeam. Yeah, but like, they were, that's right. They, they were all, they were, they were, they were a company. Yeah. I, I think at the time, yeah. he was, he was, he was Sunbeam. Yeah. Yeah, but all the same, all from the same, cut from the same stock, if you like, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And, and, um, like, I think to be, uh, a great tribute to the Dwyer family uh, to see this plate put up does Kevin Does Kevin Dwyer know you have it, I wonder? I've, I've never spoken to the man, so I don't know whether he know it or not. I need, to, tra- I need to track him down and let him know, you know. Be, I think he'd be very interested to hear that you have it. Yeah, yeah, and, and uh, maybe he might come along and, and put in a suggestion where what might be done with it. It's safe anyway. So from Sunbeam, um, so you have it anyway, and it's in safekeeping. I know, I know. So I know you were in Fords, but it was near the end, wasn't it? When you, were, I think you were welding the underside of Cortinas or something, was it? That's right. I, I worked in Fords for about seven years, and um, I was uh, on the turnover in the body shop, as we called yeah. at that time. At that stage, they weren't um, making anything; they were just assembling the parts coming in, weren't they? That's right. Everything yeah. came in in big four boxes and. Uh, the sides of the car, the floors of the car, the roofs of the car, and everything had to be welded. And you assembled them. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and then and was there a, to get painted. Yeah, and was there a social club then in Fords? Oh, yeah, well, there were several uh, different clubs, but uh, uh, there was, um, there was a, a diving club there where, where we, we used to go up to the North Monastery uh, uh, learning how to do the dive. There was a swimming pool in the North Monastery that time. I suppose you did and know that the um, the submarine was designed first, and the prototype was manufactured in the North Mon. You knew that, I suppose, did you? That's right. Yeah, yeah. That, I think they, um, I think they sold. I can't remember the name of the brother up there. Do you remember his name? No. No, 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 no. I think, no, he, I think no. they eventually sold the drawings or something to the American Navy. Am I right? Something to that effect, Daniel. Well, started and, in the morning. Um, they, they, um, look what came out of it after. And tell me, you know? wh- what did did you do professional diving then? Yes, yes. Uh, we used um, our diving equipment would consist of surface demand, which would be uh, compressed air. Pumped down to you, which you'd have different types of hats oh, on you. Oh, for God's sake. If that was you, very deep diving then, was it? Uh, mostly air diving, which, like, it wouldn't, like, there's there's two forms of diving. There's air diving and saturation diving. 
So what kind of jobs did you dive on? I, I think I think you dived like, on um, on the Air India fuselage. Did you in eighty five? That's right. Um, uh, in um, when when the when the Air India um, plane blew up over Ireland, you might believe I was out in the Persian Gulf. God, we were diving there. And when when I came back, um, I was I was back, and uh, the Canadian government, the Indian government, the American government got together to find out what actually happened on yeah. that on that plane. Yeah. And as you know, there was three hundred and seven people killed on it. That's right, men, women, so children. We they had they set up then. Um, a team and brought in two vessels to um, go out and recover some of the wreckage. What did you recover now, on that dive? Because you must have had to go very deep. Well, uh, it when we when we were recovering, it was a remote control sub. Yeah, and it used to actually take nearly eighty hours when it left the surface to go down to the seabed. I you, think it was you, nearly a mile deep. It took you 18 hours to go down. 18 to go down. And, sorry, it took 18 hours to go down, attach to a, a certain piece, and come back up to the surface 18 hours. And do you mind me asking what you brought back up? Well, they were interested in the undercarriage of the, the Boeing. And to, mostly it was the undercarriage of the plane and when when we when they'd attached to a piece to come up to the within a hundred feet of the surface our job was to go in and secure it better so that it wouldn't we wouldn't lose that piece because when that piece would come up around the splash zone area uh, you could lose it mm. so our job was so a lot of it was there was a lot of seats attached to it God. The undercarriage. God. And uh, one particular piece we brought up, there was a body in one of the seats. Oh, my God. Very, buddy. very badly decomposed because it was about two months after it went down. Good God That's, Almighty. They decided to, it's all like it wasn't a nice size, oh, I can tell you. And I always remember uh, there were suitcases came up in one piece and the suit, one of the suitcases was open on deck and it was all child's clothes oh, and a couple of child's toys inside in the case oh, and I can tell you it could put the shivers on you just to think that that child is down there God almighty Paddy do you not have nightmares even all these years later over that like it, 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 you know what it's those types of jobs it's I suppose it's like a doctor, he does his work. A fireman does his work. If if you are to go into the water to recover a, a body or a person in a car, or um, you're glad to be able to do it to I bring suppose, back that yeah. person. I know, I know, but it's just you know, you know, it's just taking all that on, you know, taking it in yourself and witnessing what you witness. I mean, I know you also dived on the Bantry oil disaster, which had been the Betelgeuse in '79, um, uh, and and right. you said you said you you dived to recover people in cars. I know there was a terribly sad I, story. I think 
of a little... I think... Yeah. I think that they, like, this day, 39 years ago, I spent 16 days looking for a child in the black water, three years of age. And the child was missing four weeks when I was asked, would I go and search? And I, the guardian, the Sabacco clubs, they were all after being down there. And I said, I don't think I can do any more than what they have done. But I pursued it for 16 days. And I found the child four days before Christmas. Oh, the poor little mice. Three-year-old, was it? She fought, Six weeks in the water. Little boy, little girl? A, a three-year-old boy. Did he fall in? Uh, yeah, it, it was... Uh, he, from what I can gather, he he was got down to the water with his grandfather God. and he came out the house or something with the dog and ventured off down by the water and it appears the dog used to be chasing rabbits and things down there and... Uh, he was fascinated, I suppose, by what he was you know witness with yeah. his grandfather. Yeah, and I uh, and he knew no, he knew no fear. That, yeah, but that to me broke my heart. Oh, for God's sake! It, I don't know. You, how can, you, can. you can take an adult out of the water, and it's it's just like another job. But to take a child out of the water. It's heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. It even sounds as if it's breaking your heart now, even thinking about it yeah, all these yeah. years later, it nearly never 40 leaves. years ago. Never. I know. I know. You all right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it, it it never leaves you. But the great thing about it, never give up. That child was in the water six weeks. People would say, oh, it's gone out the harbour. You know, it's gone down the black water into y'all out the harbour but thankfully two miles away from where they assumed the child went missing I found the child no I, I there was two other divers there as well but I was on my own for about the first week <sighs> that I started to look you just would and not give up the poor parents I must, say, I must say one thing that when I found the child I went up to the the sergeant in in Mallow and I said I found a child. Well, he started to cry and he said, remember, I'm human too. I know. Oh my God almighty. What you know, I... and here I was, the two of us were crying inside in the station. <laughs> I know, but it would have come as co- some co- a huge consolation to the family to have their little boy Oh back, my God. You know? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He, 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 he said to me that time, he said, if you find a child, please, don't bring it up into the by the bridge or anything. He said because he said everyone in Mallow would be out. Oh, I know discreetly, so and that's said, what you I, did. I prefer, I prefer the family be forced to see the child, and that's what we done. Oh my God Almighty! What an incredible life you've had, Paddy. You're well retired from the diving now, it's area. Yeah? Oh, I am. Yeah, <laughs> I am. I am. I'm. I'm going into it. 70, 77 old. Well, fair play to you. Well, fair play to you. So, Listen, um, what an amazing life you've had. Well, um, like my metal craft, after the dive in my metal, I've done a lot of work and uh, Nationwide approached me there to, um, would I 
be interesting going on nationwide. Yeah, so show them what you do. They, they show the combination of diving plus walking in folds. So um, when they knocked the Blackpool flats, I decided I'd get a bit of the steel out of the, the, the flats <laughs> and make, make candlesticks. <laughs> and... Uh, that was on the front of the Echo, not Paul Bourne out of TG, uh, uh, So you make candlesticks, you make candlesticks from the steel and the iron of the Blackpool Flats. <laughs> That's right. And Paul Bourne, Paul Bourne, he had around the, the six o'clock nose <laughs> and he took away the two candlesticks. You never got him back. Stood, no, no. He, he stood, he stood outside the flats and the crane was knocking the flats and he said, the Blackpool flats may be gone away, he said, but they're still alive. And he lifted up the two candlesticks and he said, Friday the 13th. <laughs> <laughs> what a great story. Listen, it's great chatting with you. I'd love to see some photographs of the candlesticks. Can you, almost, oh, can you also send me on a photograph of William Dwyer's head, if you don't mind? I, I will, I will, I will. And I'll and see if I can track I, down Kevin I said, Dwyer. I hope, I hope that something will be done. Well, ah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's the story on the Hollybow that triggered this off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I said, there's so much history in, in William DeWire and, and what he what he done for the people of Cork. Well, I'll do my best to track down Kevin Dwyer and see if I can have a chat with him on the air if he's interested. And then you guys can hook up. So I'll be back to you, all right? No problem, Neil. No problem. Paddy, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. Thanks so much. Great, and a pleasure talking to you too. Cheers, my friend. God bless. Bye-bye. Calling Red FM Studio? Call the new number. 0818-104-106. He's a fabulous individual, Paddy Hyde, and an incredible story that he had to tell there about his life, as particularly as a diver, as a professional diver and the things that he did and the places he went. There's amazing people in our city, you know, and everybody has a story, I believe. You know, there's a story in all of us. And I love people sharing. I just happened to come across that uh, story of Paddy Hyde in, in the Hollywood, which is a treasure trove of great Cork stories every year. We'd be lost without it. Um, and I'm happy to talk with other people who have stories in their lives. You can always just get in touch. Email neil at redfm.ie if to you or indeed it's someone you think that I should be talking to and hearing about their life history. Because I know people love that. They really do. Okay, they also love Free Food Friday. So a final bunch of shout outs for the week that's in it. Good morning to everybody at Horgan's Garage and Kerry Pike. To everybody at Rockwell Engineering and the workshop and offices in Holly Hill who were listening especially uh, Owen who's a sheet metal worker, uh, part, your partner was on to me sending in that text on your behalf Gemma O'Connor and all the girls at Cheeky Cherubs and Balancolic looking at the, looking after the babies and the toddlers, everybody working for Cladera in Kilcully to the team of Alan Bailey Carpentry Service in Carrick Navarre they're working hard in Kinsale this morning to St Vincent de Paul staff in Oak House and Black Rock working hard helping people in need and have been doing, for, uh, doing so for a long long time. Kilsarin Quarry in ovens have a lot of staff out there and somebody joined the, 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 the job just this week uh, and would love to uh, share pizza with her new workmates that's from Shelley to everybody at Prompto Dispatch and from Moy to River Lane Bar and Social Club in Blarney Street to Rebellious in Little Island D&D Detailing in Blackpool to everybody at uh, well, actually it's Chris Shine who's fitting gym equipment in Liss School GA at the moment and he'd love some pizza he's starving to Little Island Transport and Carry Tool who are listening to everybody in the Technology Park Unit B in Clonakilty. Here's a lovely one for my, for my nan, Mary Bridgman, who turns 80 during the week. 
and the times we live in, we can't celebrate properly. So a pizza party and a few beers would be a great way to celebrate her birthday. So happy birthday to you, Mary. Morning to Benny, working from home since COVID began. Says, I look forward to your show in the mornings. Time passes with ease. I have a birthday coming up, so pizza would be great. I'd spoil the family. You know, I'd love to give pizza to everybody, but it can't be done. Also, um, my wife is 40 today and she loves pizza. And that's from John Murphy and Bandon. I'm sure you're not. I'm sure you're partial to a slice or two yourself. To everybody at Cart World who are listening this morning, Eurostyle are listening too. Uh, and also William Raymond, the painters who are out and about, and Joe Crowley Oils. And a final one, and it's another bit of a request for you. Um, I'd love the pizza vouchers for my firstborn son, Ben who had a PCR test on his 16th birthday on Tuesday instead of birthday cake. It wasn't the 16th birthday celebrations we had planned. I'd love to treat him as friends to a few pizzas once they all come out of isolation. There are so many people, aren't there, in isolation these days. But hopefully the next few weeks will make a huge difference. But that's in Diana in Drimmer League. So there your Free Food Friday. Shout-outs for each and every one of you. We'll pick a winner in the next few minutes' time and we'll organise pizza for... Uh, it'll feed 15 of you, courtesy of ourselves, and Oak Fire Pizza. Lies open on 0818-104-106. It's that time of the year again, um, actually, uh, that we have Winnegaff. Uh, back on our radar. Uh, and we did this in the past. It's a fantastic initiative. It's where different GA clubs come together. It's actually Douglas GA, St. James's GA in Clonakilty, and Fromoy GA. And they all pitch in together to raise funds, um, to be developed, you know, to distribute the money then at their facilities, you know, because they deal with all age groups within GA and all those clubs. And the way they do it is they literally get a brand new house. And this year, the gaff in question is a brand new three-bedroom, semi-detached, A-rated home in a place called The Miles in Clonakilty. And the backstory to this, and you can buy tickets for maybe win the gaff yourself, the backstory is provided by Brendan Murray, who's the new chairman of Douglas GAA, and he joins me by phone. Brendan, Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Neil. How long? Oh, okay, so not on. at all. I love doing this year in, year out, because it's a great initiative and much-needed funds is raised, and somebody literally gets themselves a brand-new home for the price of a ticket. Wouldn't it be fantastic? The draw is on um, Saturday week and uh, the sales close this Sunday. So uh, wouldn't, wouldn't you love to be sitting at home uh, hearing that you've won a brand new house? Tell me about it. And listen, tell me about the house. I know it's down in Clonakilty and that's been a very popular destination of late, hasn't it? With people relocating and what have you. Down, is it close enough to Castle Freak and places like that? It's a place uh, called Miles, in the Miles, Clannacilty. It's where the house is located. Um, a beautiful new house, not far from Cork. There's also other prices as well, Neil. There's a, there's a, new, a new Toyota car worth 33,000, <laughs> 5,000 euro in, in cash. <laughs> so you get three stabs at a big prize then, not just the one? You, you absolutely get three stabs and, and the prospects, you know, are, are much better than going into a, another draw somewhere else. Um, you know, um, fantastic opportunity, and for our clubs, it's it's actually so so very important. I mean, do you have any idea what an A-rated house is like these days? They're incredible. Have you been in one? I mean, have you been in this one? I I haven't been in this one. But I've seen videos of it. I actually don't live in one myself. I would I would love to, and I have. Uh, I've bought a number of tickets for the draw, so you never know. <laughs> an A-rated home, like <laughs> has energy bills of a few hundred a year. They're incredible. Absolutely, yeah. So, so I've heard that, that the energy energy bills are very, very low, and uh, your house is warm all year all year round, pretty much as well. You know? And of course, if you're down that neck of the road woods, you've got Inchidoney, you've got Long Strand, you've got walks in Castle Freak, beautiful West Cork. It's a three bed, yeah. isn't 
it's a three it's a three three bed semi detached house, yes. Okay. So yes, and you're right, there's so much to see down there. Okay. All right. no. It really is a great opportunity for the, the local people, for anybody from Cork City, for anybody from around the country as well. Oh my god, it's uh, a life changing price. Imagine that. And mortgage mortgage free as well. Totally. You own it 100%. The deeds the deeds are yours. Do with them as you please. So the the initiative actually is to raise funds, isn't it? Because you're dealing with kids of all age right up to probably uh, inter-county. Yeah, so if I can tell you a little bit about our club, I mean, Douglas GA is really a sleeping giant. You know, we have 3,000 members. We're probably the biggest club outside of Dublin. God. You know, at, up to under, under 11, we have 800 kids playing... Uh, uh, GA hurling camogie ladies football and uh, last last year we we um, by a massive majority in the club we agreed to to a club development plan with a 1.8 million spend and we also agreed which was a fast fantastic move forward to um, join the ladies and men's clubs together which um, hadn't hadn't been done in the past. So there's a lot of good things happening. Isn't it great that it's thriving with numbers like that? 3,000 in one village. It's amazing. Oh, it's a fantastic scene down there on a Saturday morning with the number of kids. And we had our Street Leagues finals day there in September, October. And there was 800 kids came through the gates on a, on a Saturday. Amazing scene, really. That's great. It's just brilliant because, you know, that's what people need, you know. They're certainly children. They need to be involved in some kind of sport, boys and girls. And the same would be said for Clonakilty and for my GAA. They're doing the same, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, everybody needs to move their facilities forward and to cater for the kids. And, and for our club, we know we need to spend money on, on AstroTurf, yeah. um, on, on floodlights, on, you know, on our pavilion. And then the, those those are all things that's going to be happening. Okay. Um over the next number of years and, and, and that's why this, this Winnegaff is, is obviously very very important and tell me are ticket sales good? ticket sales are pretty good they're not as good as we expected so I, I guess for people buying tickets then there's a better, better, better chance of winning yeah, yeah, yeah. well you um, want to you certainly come out well ahead like but let's drive it on oh, between yeah, now yeah. and Sunday isn't it? yeah so uh, you can buy a ticket up to Sunday night um, and at, and in the following week, the draw will take place in in Douglas GA Club in our uh, beautiful new bar there between one and three o'clock, and we expect that it'll be streamed live as well. Superb! How much is the ticket? Tickets one hundred euro. Same price as it was last time, then. Yeah. Same price as it was when you're when uh, you're, you're yourself and um, Red FM were involved. The last that's right. Time, that's know. right. So for a hundred euro ticket, you get a chance at the three hundred thousand euro three bedroom home. You say there's a car as well worth close on 40 grand. What is that again? Yeah, so that's a, a Toyota Hybrid. Fantastic. Luna. So it's worth, worth yeah, 33,000. And then there's 5,000 euro in, okay. in cash. Three prices. For, so for, if somebody wanted to have a punt on it, how can they go about it? So if you want to have a punt, you can log on to uh, ie, and that's where you can uh, buy your ticket and okay. you get a confirmation back as, as soon as you do okay. that. Okay, if you're not in, as the fellow says, you can't win. Well, if you're not in, uh, you, you can't win. It's an opportunity for a mortgage-free home. And so it's well worth well worth a punt. And you know, maybe, Neil, um, as you did the last time, you might draw the ticket for us um, Saturday week. If you Saturday week? If I'm, in, if I'm in the neighbourhood, I'm quite happy if to do it. you're in the neighbourhood. I just need to check. If I'm around, I certainly would love to be part of it. Yeah. We can make that happen if it's possible. But let's get people on to winagaff.ie. Get that ticket. 100 euro, three stabs at the house, the car and the five grand. Good luck to everybody and you too, Brendan, all right?
Okay, thanks very much. Cheers, pal. Hi to everybody at Douglas GAA and indeed everybody at St. James and Clonakilty and from Moy GAA. So www.winnegaff.ie. Why not? I mean, think about it. A 300 grand home that you could call your own and also helping good causes. Um, just one or two before I love you and leave you. We need to pick a winner actually for a free food Friday as well and get that done in the next couple of minutes. So I ordered from a Cork restaurant. I put the note that I was asking the delivery guy to give me a call when he arrived. I was waiting one and a half hours for my order. I checked the app to track my order. It was saying the food was delivered. I was shocked. I called the customer service. They said the driver couldn't find me, so he left the food at the doorstep. It was not true. I couldn't find any food. I searched all around the building. Finally, I got the refund, but we were left starving. I ordered another pizza, another 40 minutes for the food, but at least I got it that time. I think, actually, it's better to make your own food. For sure you'll get it, and nobody will touch it before you eat it. I got a couple of scary texts in there about people's food being touched, incidentally. I don't mean to put the fear of God in anybody, but I'll come back to it on Monday. Lovely text coming in with regards to my chat with Paddy Hyde. Brilliant listening to Paddy. More of that, please, says Liam. Hadn't he an incredible story to tell? He really did. Back after the break. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. You betcha. Free Food Friday winners for this week are, and this will feed up to 15 of you, courtesy of ourselves and Oak Fired Pizza, the River Lane Bar Social Club on Blarney Street. I love Blarney Street. It's a great walk and it's an even better cycle. Um, well done to you. Well done to the River Lane Bar Social Club. Pizza on the way for you. It'll feed up to 15 of you. I see your regular texters week in, week out, so well done on that one. Uh, lines will stay open on 0818104106. You can text 0868104106. Before I love you and leave you, um, I just don't believe it. I drive, just eat, and never have issues with food being delivered. Deliveroo gives you two orders, but they're not 20 kilometres apart, as in the driver gets two orders, but they're not 20 kilometres apart. They normally are on the same route. Just Eat has the city divided into three, so there are no double orders. Sometimes people give the wrong or old phone numbers or wrong apartment numbers or apartment bells that don't work. These are uncontrollable situations, so Just Eat advises us to leave the food in a safe place at the door and take a photograph don't give up my details. Great show. And that's from a deliverer. I was only talking about this actually this morning because there's been a big increase in the amount of people who are getting food delivered at home. Uh, ideally hot food, as the fellow says. Um, uh, with regards to conversations about stocking up on booze, he is so right. I'm going to drive to the north in my van for drink in a few weeks' time. I would completely load up for everything I need for the year. Uh, Operation Transformation, listening to the girl talking to Neil about Operation Transformation is amazing. She has such a positive attitude about her life journey. A topic that she has mentioned should be spoken about over and covered over and over again, which is women and menopause. And you're right, menopause, perimenopause and conversations around cervical smears and ovarian cancer. Uh, Another chowder apparently that's worth checking, checking out is if you're ever in Union Hall, Try the food and the chowder on the dock, in the dock wall. It's absolutely beautiful. And one or two then on Djokovic. He is no different to you and I. He has no special rights uh, or any special dispensation just because he's a superstar who happens to be a multi-millionaire. Uh, and one more. People are protesting outside Djokovic's hotel, accusing the Australian government of racism now. Amazing how racism gets mentioned all of the time. Uh, and a lot then coming in on COVID and COVID-related issues. Either way, um, we'll pick it up on Monday. Have yourselves a good weekend. I'll see you Monday morning. Mind yourself in the weather because there's still a lot of wind and a bit of rain out there. See you Monday. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.